0: Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse-treat-sized pieces of information. A podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey.
1: And I'm Caitlin.
0: And And this this is is our oath. Oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse seen above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And we vow to answer the call of Gondor
1: when the beacon is lit, by which we of course mean answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability.
0: episode nine. The Frodo and Sam episode. Yeah, the, the oops, no horses edition. Yeah, for all you horse haters out there who are somehow listening to this podcast. I have great news for you. you. Cal. um, <laughs> 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 Yeah, we just get Frodo and Sam all the way. And like a lot of honestly, this is like, these are some of the scariest chapters. Yeah, there's some shit so here. far.
1: I will say there is no horse on screen throughout these chapters of the book that we're reading, which are uh, chapter one through seven, chapter one through six of book four. But there are um, more references to horses than I would have expected, given that we don't see any horses. Yeah. There's Um, there's a few peppered in there.
0: Yes. Chapters one through six of book 4. And in the movie this is all like interspersed with all of the other stuff, so we've seen it all movie-wise already um mm-hmm. and talked about a lot of it, but now we're going to talk about the book stuff and pull in movie moments as needed.
1: There's a lot here. A lot happens.
0: Yeah. What is your first thing?
1: So, we start in in the books this is the first time that we see Sam and Frodo in Two Towers. And it starts off with them just having left the company and kind of making their way through Iman Moil and struggling with it. Uh, The first thing I have marked is just a page or two in. They're getting lost and feeling very intimidated by their surroundings. Mm -hmm. And I just thought this was such a great moment of of description by JRT. Mm -hmm. It says, if they halted and stood still listening, they heard no more. Nothing but the wind sighing over the edges of the stone. Yet even that reminded them of breath softly hissing through sharp teeth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they kn- they knew that they had been being followed by Gollum, um, and are hoping at this point that they that they've lost him, which we soon discovered mm-hmm. they have not. Before they get to that, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not I'm not going there yet. I'm just, you know, getting my spoilers. Except setting up some context. Yeah,
1: (laughs) context spoilers. Yeah, we never
0: say that this is like a podcast with spoilers, yet it is constantly full of spoilers.
1: I mean, the whole point of the series is a fucking like in in depth exploration. Like, there's no way. To talk about it and not have it be spoilers. No. I mean, we
0: never say it's spoiler-free either, so that's, um... What do you have? I don't know. I have it posted on the first page, and I have no idea why, so... <laughs> um, that's, this is the in-depth, this
1: is the aforementioned in-depth reason people come to us. Oh,
0: yeah. I do, like, the sense of location and atmosphere in these chapters is stunning, especially in the first one or two Um, Yeah. Like when they're on or in Eminmuel. How do you pronounce that? Eminmuel. Okay. I think that's how I said it just a second ago. Yeah, but I wasn't paying attention. Um, Okay. I was paying attention to like (laughs) what you were saying, not like how you pronounced that word. (laughs) I see. (laughs) I think my dad says Eminmuel. And so now I'm just, I don't know. I'm confused. I saw something on an Elvish language website the other day that confirmed that in like three syllable words, the stress goes on or or more, but the stress goes on the second to last syllable, which we sometimes do like Elendil, right? But there are definitely like Elvish words and names that we put the stress on the first syllable. And I don't know how to feel about that.
1: Mithrandir instead of Mithrandir. Yeah. That would also support
0: Rohirrim instead of Rohirrim? It, yes, it would. Because as we discovered, that is the Elvish word for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just a language note that I will attempt to follow, but we'll see. Okay. The first thing that I definitely have is when they are finally going to descend from... Yeah. ...this thing that they're on. <laughs> um, yeah. And um sam is like i'm going first even though he's terrified of heights um and <laughs> yeah and frodo's like wait what like why have you changed your mind and he says i haven't changed my mind but it's only sense put the one lowest as is most likely to slip i don't want to come down on top of you and knock you off no sense in killing two with one fall and then before sam- before frodo could stop him he sat down swung his legs over the brink and twisted round scrabbling with his toes for a foothold it is doubtful if he ever did anything braver in cold blood or more unwise
1: and then an important moment yes no no sam you old ass
0: said frodo
1: <laughs> and then <sighs> it's really good and then
0: he's like come back and he takes sam under the armpits and holds him up again and it's just i just love it all it's really good. Yeah, so they have this whole kind of thing where they're like Frodo is gonna try to like go at least part way down to try it out and then it gets suddenly dark and there's like thunder and lightning and Frodo falls and then can't see anything and Sam like can't hear him at first. And they end up fine, but it's scary. And they're yeah, suddenly both because sort of they're like...
1: separated. And, like, anyone who has experienced that sensation of, like, falling or scrabbling down something when you're, like, hiking or climbing, it is the most, like, gut-dropping feeling.
0: It's just awful. Yeah. And then Frodo's like, man, if only we had some rope. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam. <laughs> oh, God. And Sam it's like, rope? Well, if I don't deserve to be hung on the end of one as a warning to numbskulls, like, which is, wow, dark, Sam, but you're not but a ninny hammer, Sam Gamgee. That's what the gaffer said to me often enough, it being a word of his, rope. But it's, again, like, we get so many of these, and I hadn't realized before this reread, but, like, Sam has internalized so much of this stuff like, from the gaffer just telling him that he was, like, a useless idiot his whole life. And it makes me sad.
1: Yeah, it's not- because we don't really see their relationship on screen. Like, mm-hmm. I'm unsure how much of it is, like, like good-hearted familial teasing and how much of it is actually, like, you are worthless. But he certainly has, yeah, internalized some of that, yeah. like,
0: your- I kind um, of suspect your that it's partway in between, that it's not, like, you know, the- the gaffer probably does love Sam and show him love in the ways that he knows how to, but is kind of, like, a hard man in in some of those ways, you know? And, yeah,
1: well, and there, there's a moment later in these chapters where Sam talks about, like, desperately wishing that he could, like, speak to his gaffer again, yeah. even if it's only for him to call him a name.
0: Yeah. Anyways. But the,
1: the second half of this moment is really good, so... Sam had just finished off with his, yes. you know, little, like, monologue about the rope. Stop chattering, cried Frodo, now recovered enough to feel both amused and annoyed. Yeah. And Sam's, will you read, I just love your Sam voice, Well, um, well, will you read the next Sam
0: line? Yes, Mr. Frodo, in my pack and all, carried it hundreds of miles, and I'd clean <laughs> forgotten it.
1: <laughs> it's so funny to me, both because, like, we talked in Fellowship about how much that rope is set up. Like, how many times does Sam talk about the rope and he's so excited about the Elvish rope? Yeah, and then, and then it's When just, they need
0: it, it's totally out of his mind. It's been in the bottom of his pack, yeah. He says, um, better luck if I'd thought of it sooner. Maybe you remember them putting the ropes in the boats as we started off in the Elvish country, I took a fancy to it, and I stowed a coil in my pack years ago, it seems. It may be a help in many needs, he said. Haldeer or one of those folk, and he spoke right. Oh, Sam. It's great.
1: Anyways, and then they... The, we get a our, our first horse reference here, too. Oh, yeah. We, um, where is that? Um... It's for me it's on page 595. It's on the same pages that quote that you just read and he okay. spoke right a uh-huh. few a few down in the graph that starts with that he stood up and went to the bottom of the gully again. Oh yeah, yeah. Um and it's Frodo like looking out over the landscape and he sees lowering in the mountains and gathering its great spires. It rolled on slowly over Gondor and the skirts of Rohan. Until far away, the riders on the plane saw its black towers moving behind the sun.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we get this little sort of shot over to the like, oh, meanwhile, the other people in this fellowship. Yeah, and that's a really interesting, like, phenomenon from a different spot.
1: Yeah, which I love. There's several moments that we're going to talk about throughout the section, but, like, in the first half of the book, like, we never get the bird's eye view of what Sam and Frodo are doing. We get their companions worrying about them and wondering what they're up to. Mm-hmm. But here in this section, now that we've already read the other side of the story several times, JRT, like, explicitly pulls back the camera and shows you what's happening at the same time, which yeah. I really love is this way to, like, tie the two narratives together.
0: Yeah, it's cool. So they, like, you know, tie the rope and let one of them down. <laughs> Uh,
1: but then so then the problem is, which happens in the movie too, is they're both right. they're both standing at the bottom with the rope still attached up top, and Sam says
0: Ninny hammers, he said. Noodles! My beautiful rope! <laughs> there it is, tied to a stump, and we're at the bottom. Just as nice a little stare for that slinking golem as we could leave. Better put up a signpost to say which way we've gone. I thought it seemed a bit too easy. Gonna start saying noodles as a curse. <laughs> noodles! <laughs> And then Frodo's like, yeah, there's no way around that. Climb up and untie it and let yourself down if you want to. And Sam is like, no, I can't think of how that would work. <laughs> but he's, you know, sad to leave it. And then he gives it like one last pull as a farewell and it comes loose and slithered down. And Frodo blames Sam's knots.
1: And, Sa- and-, and Sam falls over about it too. Cause he gave a good yank on the rope. Oh wound, yeah. And, and just- then it came loose and he just,
0: <sighs> it's really good. Yeah. And Sam is like, I may not be much good at climbing, Mr. Frodo, but I do know something about rope and about knots. Um, And Frodo just, like, cannot get it through his head that maybe elvish rope is a little bit magic. Which is so weird because Frodo
1: is the one who is, like, much more knowledgeable about elves. And at this point, yeah. like, both of them have experienced, like, the, like, inherent magic of the elves firsthand. And Frodo is, like, must be a logical explanation.
0: Yeah, and Sam says, have it your own way, Mr. Frodo, but I think the rope came off itself when I called, because Sam, you know, knows. He pays attention, and he trusts the evidence.
1: Yeah, Sam Sam can see what's before his little nose. Yeah. And then, so after they get the rope down, this is really brief, but I did think this was um, a sweet little moment, so... They've been having a bad time, and this is a moment of things going their way. They get down safely, and they get the rope back. Yeah. both So Sam can have his elvish rope, and they hope so that Gollum won't be able to follow mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And then the moon, the moon comes out, and they have this little moment of looking at the moon. Frodo says, night will be on us soon. How beautiful the stars are, and the moon.
0: And Sam says, They do cheer the heart, don't they? Said Sam, looking up. Elvish they are somehow.
1: Yeah, I love that. And then they refer to the moon as a he again,
0: which is, yes, you fucking gender fools. It, right. Um, Nicole actually emailed me about this back when we first talked about it and said that mm. there's, and I'm going to butcher this now because I'm not looking at her email, but basically there's sort of like mythology, you know, in-universe mythology about the sun being a woman and the moon being a man, or maybe the moon is the man's chariot and the sun, I don't know. Anyways, but the man is, like, doing all this wild shit to try to, like, get her attention, and that's why the moon, like, goes through phases.
1: <laughs> that's fine and all. I, like, there, there's room in the world for many different mythologies, yeah. but the sun and the moon are girlfriends, and anything other than that is incorrect, I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and then they see, um... You know, Frodo tells Sam to sleep and is on watch. And then he sees Gollum climbing down the cliff. Just like down the face of a sheer precipice. Yeah. And it's kind of terrifying. And then Sam is like, well, I'm sick of him. He's come once too often for me. And I'm going to have a word with him if I can. And they kind of sneak up and wait until he's down. And then Sam... Oh, no. They don't wait until he's down. But Gollum Gollum No, they
1: pretend to they falls. they do a very tricksy
0: thing. What do they do? What tricksy thing do they do?
1: Oh no, I'm thinking of I thought they were doing the thing
0: where they were pretending to Oh sleep. no, that's that's, that's after they've interacted later. with him. Yeah. That's um in later. a little bit. No, he yeah. Gollum falls because the cliff is slightly undercut and Sam yes, jumps Sam, him. Sam jumps on top of him and even then, like, Gollum like gets his teeth into Sam's shoulders and yeah um and it's only because Frodo like draws sting and jumps out that Gollum lets go,
1: yeah, and then there's so there's an interesting moment here yeah. too, so uh Sam wants to tie up Gollum and just leave mm-hmm. leave him in the wilderness, and Frodo is basically saying, you know, we can't we can't kill him like that, like if we're going to kill him, we need to kill him outright, yeah, like that's not merciful, and I don't think we should kill him at all. and then frodo. Kind of has a flashback. It seemed to Frodo then that he heard, quite plainly but far off, voices out of the past. What a pity Bilbo did not stab the vile creature when he had a chance. Pity. It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy not to strike without need. I do not feel any pity for Gollum. He deserves death. Deserves death. I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death. And some that die deserve life. Can you give that to them? Then be not too eager to deal out death in the name of justice, fearing for your own safety. Even the wise cannot see all ends. Which is obviously the conversation that Gandalf and Frodo had in Moria when they kind of first experience Gollum. And I love that it's not just, you know, Frodo, like, remembering Gandalf didn't want him to kill Gollum. I love how explicit it is, like revisiting this conversation with like someone he loves who is no longer yeah. here. Yeah. And it's interesting because we don't see we don't see that elsewhere in the stories yet. We we haven't like the explicit revisiting of a conversation yeah. like that. Yeah. So it, it's decided that they'll they'll take Gollum with them. Yeah, yeah, and they have kind of a conversation. They they talk to him and kind of make more explicit answers. To their questions about, like, who he is and where they're going and, like, how he's yeah. involved.
0: And we get kind of the first moment here where Frodo exhibits kind of a, a new sense of authority and Sam is surprised by it because Gollum has said, And where are they going in these cold, hard lands, we wonders? Yes, we wonders. And Sam... You know, there's some stuff and he says all the same, he was amazed at Frodo's reply, which is that Frodo looks straight into Gollum's eyes and says, you know that, or you guess well enough, Smeagol, he said quietly and sternly, we are going to Mordor, of course. And you know the way there, I believe. And there are a few more of those moments coming up where like Frodo kind of is like stern or certain or, you know, various things that Sam is sort of like, huh, this isn't the Frodo with anxiety that I know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's interesting characterization going on here. There's also, there's a Gollum moment here that happens that I found surprising. So, you know, Frodo says, we're going to Mordor. And Frodo asks if he's been there. Frodo says, so you've been there and you're being drawn back there, aren't you? And Gollum does this whole thing about how, like, he doesn't want to go back. I can't find it. I am tired. We can't find it. They're always awake. He's, you know, alluding to his mistreatment while in Mordor. But he got up and clenched his long hand into a bony, fleshless knot, shaking it toward the east. We won't, he cried. Not for you. Then he collapsed again. Um, which is a moment of, like, Gollum's agency coming through in a yeah, way that we really get a
0: lot more of, like, Smeagol and, like, what is really kind of going on there, um, in these chapters. Yeah.
1: Well, and, it, and in a much less cartoonish way than the portrayal happens yes. in the movie. Yeah.
0: Um, and, I mean, it's obvious, like, he had gone to Mordor by accident, he says, but we won't go back, and, it becomes clear that, like, basically he was commanded while there to find the ring and bring it back. Right. And he does want to find mm-hmm. the ring, but he wants it for himself. He doesn't want to bring it back. So so he, you know, he's not like a friend of Frodo's, but they, they do kind of unite because Sauron is their common enemy. And then, you know, Smeagol is kind of torn between this, like, well, Frodo is helping the ring not go to Sauron, but Frodo is also keeping the ring for me. And, you know, it's those two things that are kind of at war. But he really, I mean, Frodo says, like, but if you really wish to be free of him again, as in Sauron, then you must help me. And that at least a little bit, like, gets through to him. Yeah. And then they do the Trixie thing.
1: So... They pretend to fall asleep and wait for Gollum to kind of uh, show his hand. Yeah, and
0: I, I actually, I love this moment right before, like they're they're all sitting there right with Gollum in the middle, mm-hmm. and they're getting sleepy, and they know that like they have to sleep, but they they there was no need for any arrangement by word. They knew that they must not sleep for a moment and it says frodo looked across at sam their eyes met and they understood and i just love that that like they know each other really well and so they yeah. have this you know moment of communication and then they both sort of slowly pretend to fall asleep and
1: what is oh what is i'm i'm like absolutely paraphrasing and misquoting here but the thing about like all people in love like speak their own secret language known only to them. Yeah.
0: Frodo that's Frodo and Sam right yeah. here. And Gollum kind of looks back and forth and the hobbits make no sign and then he leaps forward and they catch him because they were expecting it.
1: Yep. So at first they try to bind him with the elvish rope like in the movie and it's it clearly hurts him. Yeah. And That's when Frodo kind of has the idea to make Gollum, to to bind him in another sense, to like make Gollum swear an oath.
0: Yeah. And well, and it's interesting because Frodo says like, no, I will not take it off you. Not unless there is any promise you can make that I can trust. And Gollum says, yeah, we'll swear. And Frodo says, swear. And then Gollum says, Smeagol, said Gollum suddenly and clearly, opening his eyes wide and staring at Frodo with a strange light, smeagol will swear on the precious um and then again it says frodo drew himself up and again sam was startled by his words and his stern voice on the precious how dare you he said think one ring to rule them all and in the darkness bind them would you commit your promise to that smeagol it will hold you but it is more treacherous than you are it may twist your words beware and they kind of have this Back and forth. And I don't know, it's it's really interesting. Like, Frodo has, you know, has this deeper understanding of the ring's power. And mm-hmm. it's kind of unclear. Like, I mean, it's useful in this sense, but it's also kind of scary. Like, what is Frodo becoming? Like, where is this it, coming from?
1: Right, right. And this also then begins, like, Sam has not in any way made the connection. Like, Frodo is at least beginning to understand, like, the connection that he and Gollum have by both being bearers of the rings. And Sam doesn't yet. Yeah. Um. But as Frodo is kind of brokering this deal with him, and both Frodo, and this is another moment of, like, Frodo, we just saw that moment of, like, wordless communication between Frodo and Sam, but now Frodo and Gollum are speaking a language that they speak that Sam doesn't understand. Yes. And so it says, for a moment, it appeared to Sam that his master had grown and Gollum had shrunk. A tall, stern shadow, a mighty lord who hid his brightness in gray cloud, and at his feet, a little whining dog. Yet the two were in some way akin, and not alien. They could reach one another's minds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Yeah, and Gollum makes the promise, and- Frodo tells Sam to take the rope off, and he does, and it says, "'At once Gollum got up and began prancing about like a whipped cur "'whose master has patted it,' which is, like, such an image of, you know... "'Anyways, from that moment a change, which lasted for some time, came over him. "'He spoke with less hissing and whining, and he spoke to his companions direct, "'not to his precious self. "'He would cringe and flinch if they stepped near him or made any sudden movement, "'and he avoided the touch of their elven cloaks,' but he was friendly and indeed pitifully anxious to please. I think in the movie, it's a lot less clear like what of, of Gollum's sort of like friendliness is real and what is artifice. And I feel like we get a little more of an inside look in the book. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he still has his own desires or whatever, but this is like, a real change here. It's not just him, like, pretending to be nice to them at this point.
1: Right, right. This this is, like, the only, like, not torture interaction he's had with with anyone in, like, years. Yeah. Like, decades and decades. Yeah. Like, the last person who I think he, like, talked to like this was Bilbo. Yeah. And then Bilbo tricked him and stole his precious. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and sit. So, What's interesting is that Sam is very shrewd in his own way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so through this description of Gollum's changed behavior, Sam says, or Sam thinks to himself, he suspected him more deeply than ever. And if possible, liked the new Gollum, the Smeagol, less than the old. Yeah. So um, with Gollum kind of sorted away, he, you know, says that he'll be their guide now. And yeah, yeah. and the chapter ends. I he, he is so good at I think ending lines for chapters. Yes. Like I feel like they frequently are just this horrible hammer drop. Yeah. So this chapter, the taming of Smeagol ends with the line over all the leagues of waste before the gates of Mordor, there was a black silence.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh don't worry though, things get um nicer from here because we go to the dead marshes. Where everything is fine. Yeah.
0: Um, first page of the Dead Marshes, or the Passage of the Marshes, that's what the chapter is called. We have, or first Mm -hmm. page for me at least, we have our first song, which is a Gollum singing to himself. It's
1: yes, it's Gollum's little, um, fish song that Andy Serkis does such a
0: good job of performing in the movie. Yeah, and it's kind of split into two parts with a couple lines in the middle.
1: And then Gollum, like, almost immediately leads them out of Emanuil, where, you know, they had been stuck. Yeah. And Gollum is, is singing his little song about fish, which feels like a lighthearted moment about, like, the transition of Gollum to Smeagol. But for Sam, it means something a little darker. These words only made more pressing to Sam's mind a problem that had been troubling him from the moment when he understood that his master was going to adopt Gollum as a guide. The problem of food. It did not occur to him that his master might also have thought of it, but he supposed Gollum had. Indeed, how had Gollum kept himself in all his lonely wandering?
0: Not too well, thought Sam. He looks fair famished, not too dainty to try what Hobbit tastes like. If there ain't no fish, I'll wager, supposing as he could catch us napping. Well, he won't. Not Sam Gamgee, for one. Yeah,
1: so we know this is weighing on Sam, which we'll see come to fruition in a few pages in um,
0: yeah. a very good way. Which is, it's funny because Sam is both like, he's like, oh yeah, like everyone needs to eat. Like this is very like what Sam is like, you know, he takes care of people, he makes sure people have food. But because of his sort of, you know, feelings about Gollum, he's like, oh, Gollum needs to eat. He might eat us. Oh no. Eat us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Gollum literally bit him
0: like, Yes, it's it's true. It's true. Um, And they do, they talk about food and it says at the word hungry, a greenish light was kindled in Gollum's pale eyes and they seemed to protrude further than ever from his thin sickly face. For a moment, he relapsed into his old Gollum manner. And throughout the next few chapters, this light in his eyes is part of the indicator of kind of what mode he's in that like the Mm -hmm. green light is is the Gollum light and the pale like white light or whatever is his Sméagol. his more yes, um him being more in himself as Smeagol. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, he so to the, feed him the boys are... he doesn't like it. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh oh I was just gonna talk about the same moment. Yeah in a Gollum is relatable moment, he asks them what they're eating and asks is it crunchable? <laughs> yeah. Is it tasty? <laughs> Which I really like because those are like two of my most important like variables about food. Uhhuh. Um, And he obviously, he can't eat the lambus for the same reason that the elf rope irritated him. Yeah. And
0: then he goes. He, at some point...
1: Oh, but that does end with a moment of, like, Frodo being so, like, hopeful about Gollum. He says, I'm sorry, said Frodo, but I can't help you, I'm afraid. I think this food would do you good if you would try it. But perhaps you can't even try it. Not yet, anyway.
0: Yeah, that, like, Frodo sees can sort of predict like a path of i mean redemption basically like rehabilitation something yeah. and that over time he could get to a point where you know he is sort of closer to the light than the dark basically
1: mhm yeah but yeah. Yeah, it, which is interesting because we talk so much about Sam as being a character who, like, has to believe in the possibility of the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: like, this moment is both about, like, Frodo seeing himself in Gollum, but I also like to believe that, like, because Frodo is much less sanguine about the future than Sam is. Like, yeah. he doesn't believe, we'll get to this conversation, but, like, he doesn't necessarily believe that they're coming back. Yeah. And so I specifically read this as a moment of, like, Sam rubbing off on Frodo and, like, having an effect on him. Yeah. Huh. So, hobbits eat their lambus. Just a nice little moment. Sam, it's interesting that, like, food is such the, like, point of contention between Gollum and Sam. Yeah. But they're eating, and Sam thinks, but he did not feel comfortable. Gollum watched every morsel from hand to mouth like an expectant dog by a diner's chair. Which is a little funny, but also a little, like, a good way of describing this kind of rising tension within the group.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyways, there's a night where Sam is supposed to be keeping watch, and he falls asleep um yeah and he did you know he makes sure that Gollum is soundly asleep before he like sits down beside frodo but i don't think he intended to sleep fully or at least no, not as long didn't. as he did and he yeah well he and frodo are supposed to take turns right night, yes but instead yeah he wakes up and it's like dark again basically he just like slept through like all the daylight and Gollum is not where he left him and he says something, and and Gollum responds actually, and it's like not far, not far. Um, he's like up on the rocks and says, "Sméagol is hungry. Be back soon." And Sam shouts after him, and Frodo wakes up, and um, and Sam is kind of like feeling, you know, bad about it, and, and, and Frodo says, oh. "Frodo made light of it when he learned that they had slept soundly for hours with Gollum and a very hungry Gollum too, loose beside them." Don't think of any of your gaffer's hard names, he said. You were worn out and it has turned out well. We are now both rested and we have a hard road ahead, the worst road of all. And I just like, A, like Frodo knows Sam well enough to know that Sam is like going into like beating himself up mode.
1: Literally the first thing Sam says when he like, it's a, you know, he wakes up and he leaps to his feet. Um, he says various reproachful names for himself came to Sam's mind, drawn from the gaffer's large paternal word board. Yeah. Like yeah. Frodo Frodo knows Sam. Yeah. And and then it's this just moment really sweet.
0: Oh God, yeah. <laughs> so Sam, do you wanna read the Sam? Yeah, starting from About the Food. Where? Uh About the food, said Sam. How long is it going to take us to do this job? And when it's done, what are we going to do then? "'This waybread keeps you on your legs in a wonderful way, "'though it doesn't satisfy the innards proper, as you might say, "'not to my feeling, anyhow, "'meaning no disrespect to them has made it. "'But you have to eat some of it every day, "'and it doesn't grow. "'I reckon we've got enough to last, say, three weeks or so, "'and that with a tight belt and a light tooth, mind you. "'We've been a bit free with it so far.'
1: "'I don't know how long we shall take to... "'to finish,' said Frodo. "'We were miserably delayed in the hills.' But Samwise Gamgee, my dear hobbit, indeed, Sam, my dearest hobbit, friend of friends, I do not think we need give thought to what comes after, to do the job, as you put it. What hope is there that we ever shall? And if we do, who knows what will come of that? If the one goes into the fire and we are at hand? I ask you, Sam, are we ever likely to need bread again? I think not. If we can nurse our limbs to bring us to Mount Doom, that is all we can do.
0: More than I can, I begin to feel. Sam nodded silently. He took his master's hand and bent over it. He did not kiss it, though his tears fell on it. Then he turned away, drew his sleeve over his nose, and got up and stamped about, trying to whistle and <laughs> saying between the efforts, Where's that dratted creature?
1: Oh! Ah! <laughs>
0: It's so much like Sam, my dearest Hobbit, my dearest Hobbit, and Sam, and, Sam, and also hi. I mean it's so sad because yes. you know Frodo's like yeah we're gonna die, um and then yeah. Hey, is it gay to take your master's hand and not kiss it but cry on it? Interesting that you mentioned the not kissing. Like it's. Yeah, like you don't have to say if he's not kissing his hand, you don't have to mention kissing. I
1: mean, unless of course you're painfully but... aware of not kissing his hand. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's the, it's so sweet and so sad, like rolled into one.
0: Yeah, and then Sam, I mean, I love that that last like line about him that like he's overwhelmed by emotions, right, and he's trying to like <laughs> Deflect by tried. getting up and stamping Can about he, he and trying to whistle, whistle because,
1: because he was crying. Uh,
0: God, wow, yeah, it's I need to stamp about and try to
1: whistle now. <laughs> um, um. Then Gollum well, comes back and yeah, is and he's been being extremely like
0: or something.
1: Yeah, and he's being extremely Smeagly like nice hobbits. He says they sleep beautifully, which is so mm-hmm. off-putting. <laughs> yeah um and they they start walking again and they have pretty much passed out of the like horrible stony passages of immemorial now and down into the the wide fens and the mires
0: yeah i uh am jumping forward a few pages if that's okay I mean, yeah i also if don't... there's anything specific but i don't want to fall into just like giving a play-by-play no no, no, no.
1: i also don't have anything until it's they realize it's the dead marshes
0: hmm I don't know where
1: that is. For me, it's on page 613. They're walking through the marshes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start realizing there's all these strange lights in the marshes.
0: Yeah, because as it gets dark, the lights appear. And I
1: I do want to read this just because I think it's such effective, like, Mm -hmm. horror. Hurrying forward again, Sam tripped, catching his foot in some old root or tussock. He fell and came heavily on his hands, which sank deep into sticky ooze, so that his face was brought close to the surface of the dark mare. There was a faint hiss. A noisome smell went up. The lights flickered and danced and swirled. For a moment, the water below him looked like some window, glazed with grimy glass, through which he was peering. Wrenching his hands out of the bog, he sprang back with a cry.
0: There are dead things, dead faces in the water, he said with horror. Dead faces! Gollum laughed. The dead marshes, yes, yes, that is
1: their name, he cackled. You should not look in when the candles are lit.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's creepy. And then Sam is like, who are they? What are they? And Frodo is responds in a dreamlike voice, which is terrifying too. Yeah, I mean, it really, like, it's scary both because
1: like the thing he's describing is scary. And it's also scary for Sam because of Frodo's burden. He now like literally goes to all these places and knows all these things that like Sam can't.
0: Yeah, or like Sam is responding like, like a normal person, like a being of the physical world who, you know, and Frodo says, I don't know, but I have seen them too, in the pools when the candles were lit, and is like, not, not reacting, like, he might be afraid, but he's like, calm about it, which I think is terrifying.
1: Yeah, because it's almost like he's not himself. He's, I mean, he's a vessel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to read the rest of this Frodo description just because I think it's scary. I have seen them too, in the pools where the candles are lit. They lie in all the pools, pale faces, deep, deep under the dark water. I saw them, grim faces and evil and noble faces and sad. Many faces fair and proud, and weeds in their silver hair. But all foul, all rotting, all dead. A fell light is in them. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, Gollum explains that there was a great battle long ago, uh, like before Sméagol was even born, um, and that the marshes like swallowed up all the graves from that.
1: Well, battle. is the is the implication that this this is the battle of like the the battle in front of the Black Gates? Or is it a different um, battle? I, I like, I, I'm not sure lore wise. Cause I thought for a I moment that maybe it was like the think... battle of, on the plains of
0: Daggerlad, but maybe not. I'm not sure. No, I think it is. I think it's the battle. Yeah. Where like Isildur takes the ring. Mm-hmm. And then
1: Gollum says, uh, just to cap it off. Sam asks, can we, can we get on and get away? Yes. Yes. Said Gollum, but slowly, very slowly very carefully or hobbits go down to join the dead ones and light little candles which <laughs> f- fuck
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um and okay. so my... that hold on this is a great moment to talk about the movies because now it's my turn to be the peter jackson oh, disrespecter yes. which be is the that peter
0: jackson complainer
1: every the disrespector here tbh Every okay. time he does an underwater scene, he just shouldn't. Like, this is terrifying yeah. enough. Like, if they had repeated this dialogue and you saw all those faces under the water, that would already be mm-hmm. very scary. It does yeah. not- I did not need the scene of, like, Frodo fucking, like, T-posing into the water and then being, like, attacked by whites under the water. Like, that that spectacle does not actually make it more scary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Subtlety, Um, Peter Jackson. Subtlety. New wats! Learn it.
1: And just, please, the takeaway
0: really is, like, no underwater scenes. Like, please. Yeah. Um, okay. There's a Nazgul that flies across. Um, that's... Yes. And, um, it doesn't go great. Scary. Um, and it, this is actually, so... After it sort of passes, it says Frodo and Sam got up, rubbing their eyes like children wakened from an evil dream to find the familiar night still over the world. But Gollum lay on the ground as if he had been stunned. They roused him with difficulty, and for some time he would not lift his face, but knelt forward on his elbows, covering the back of his head with his large, flat hands. Wraiths, he wailed. Wraiths on wings! The precious is their master. They see everything. 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 Nothing can hide from them. Curse the white face that's the moon. And they tell him everything. He sees. He knows. And then he makes Gollum noises for the first time in a bit. Um, And it says, From that time on, Sam thought that he sensed a change in Gollum again. He was more fawning and would be friendly, but Sam surprised some strange looks in his eyes at times, especially towards Frodo. And he went back more and more into his old manner of speaking.
1: So Gollum has clearly undergone some change, and Frodo is also undergoing a change at the same time, which makes this so um, effective. Yeah. Um, because Frodo is, like, pulling into his own experiences, so, like, Sam is kind of left alone. Yeah, Um, yeah, like Frodo
0: is hardly talking and just looks exhausted and is like going slower and slower, like carrying the weight of the ring.
1: Yeah, and the description of it is so good. In fact, with every step towards the gates of Mordor, Frodo felt the ring on its chain about his neck grow more burdensome. He was now beginning to feel it as an actual weight dragging him earthwards. But far more, he was troubled by the eye. So he called it to himself. It was that more than the drag of the ring that made him cower and stoop as he walked. The eye. That horrible growing sense of a hostile will that strove with great power to pierce all shadows of cloud and earth and flesh and to see you, to pin you under its deadly gaze, naked, immovable, so thin, so frail and thin, the veils were become that still warded it off.
0: Which, fuck! (sighs) yeah it's rough and and it goes on to say gollum probably felt something of the same sort but went went on in his wretched heart between the pressure of the eye and the lust of the ring that was so near and his groveling promise made half in the fear of cold iron the hobbits did not guess frodo gave no thought to it sam's mind was occupied mostly with his master hardly noticing the dark cloud that had fallen on his own heart he
1: put frodo in front of him now
0: Yeah, and kept a watchful eye on every moment of his, supporting him if he stumbled and trying to encourage him with clumsy words. Sam is so out of his depth and he's just doing his best, but he also, like, he, to a less extent, is being impacted by their proximity to Mordor and, like, the ring kind of in this relational dynamic. Yeah, and none of them are like talking to each other, and it's just, oh, it's rough.
1: It's so like, this is not anything new. Like, wow, like, f- like, fantastical elements is a metaphor for like real life, but the sand, like, I find it so moving. This feeling of like trying to help a loved one through an experience that like you cannot understand, Um, and how like helpless and, and, um, and ineffective you feel against, like, what they're going through and, like, trying yeah. to do it anyways. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. We we haven't really talked about, like, I think the the metaphor that Gollum... The the, the thing that I think people go to as the most easy, like, stand-in for Gollum, which is, like, addiction. Um, do you want to talk about that at all, or do you want to...
0: I I just had not even thought about that, which, I don't know. I guess because, I mean, there's certainly, like, a, there's alcoholism in my extended family, but addiction is not, like, a major thing that I have dealt with for myself or, like, my loved ones. mm mm-hmm. um, And so it's not the thing that, like, comes to mind for me often. Yeah, um,
1: me... Me neither, um, and which makes us not people necessarily qualified to talk to this no. about. But I think about like the like kind of the groveling, like people pleasing, like say anything in the moment, like nature of Gollum and like, um, the like addiction stories that like we know from fiction,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly there. I have such, um, conflicted feelings about i mean even so much of like addiction treatment and yeah it's it's really it's really complicated i yeah um but i kind of i mean i am gonna be a therapist for real because i like have a job offer now yay um (laughs) but that's not a field that i have like worked in at all um and i've you know, read some research and stuff, but um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say too much because it's not something I have. Yeah, yeah, or. yeah.
1: Same. I, I just yeah. think, like, I, uh, of course, now I can't think of, like, any solid examples, but I feel like when I hear people talk about, like, Lord of the Rings' metaphor, like, addiction is a thing that I hear linked to Gollum, and especially, like, in the idea Ideas, the things that we've talked about with Gollum about, like, how um, I see him as a character, like, very who's very intentionally trying to strain your empathy. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. I we do. can, we
1: can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. Along. I'm just, like, having too many thoughts at once and I'm not sure what is worth saying out loud. So,
1: totally. Well, <laughs> and like, like you said, this is not, this is not. Um, an area where either of us have a lot of experience so I don't want to um, I don't want to speak to that and I yeah. not know what I guess I'm talking what about I,
0: what I will say and I'm not you know I'm saying this with qualifications it's just one of the thoughts I have about this stuff is mm-hmm. that I think a lot of kind of addiction narrative is about like, like the actual substance whatever it is is like that tends to be The focus, like it's about you know stopping that and like the power that the substance itself has. Um, and I think what some research shows, and hopefully more research in the future, is that um, it is much more about you know, addiction is a symptom of other issues, and there's um, some fairly famous experiments with rats, which, you know, there are limitations to that. Like rats are not people. Sorry, when do you um, say
1: symptoms, do you mean like systematically or individually?
0: Um Systemically, I, I guess. I mean like like Well, I'll talk about the rats and then we'll we'll go back okay. to people. Um so basically in these experiments, the scientist gave rats First, like, in a, you know, small cage, isolated, like, no environmental enrichment, basically. Um, Regular water and, like, cocaine-laced water. And the rats all got addicted to cocaine. Um, And then he put them in, like, rat paradise. (laughs) Where (laughs) they were living, like, as a group. And they had... A lot of space and a lot of like stuff to explore and things and gave them both kinds of water and they didn't drink the cocaine water. And in fact, even when he put rats that had previously become addicted to cocaine water in the small cage in Rat Paradise, they stopped drinking the cocaine water of their own volition
1: and switched to
0: regular water. And yeah. so, if you think about that model and the way we talk about addiction, like so often the focus is like, well, we have to get this person to stop using drugs before anything else can happen. And I t- tend to think like we have to get this person in housing and having human connection yeah. and like all of this stuff in their life so that they can stop using drugs because they have those other things actually giving them what they need. Right. And so, in that sense, I don't like this. As sort of an addiction metaphor, because Sauron, like, there is this real power of Sauron, right? Yeah. Um, as sort of the substance it, that it, I don't... It's,
1: well, it certainly doesn't fit well in a context of, like, good or evil, which is, like, that is not what addiction is.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Um, But it is interesting that, like, that line of Frodo's about, you know maybe Gollum can't even try the Lembas, at least not yet. Mm -hmm. Because in that sense, I mean, there is a sense of like, oh, with continued sort of like relationship building with Frodo and like nurturing, Gollum could get to a place where he, you know, can be like farther and farther from Sauron and the ring and and all of that stuff. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, yeah. So, you know, everyone has their own individual experiences and I'm not making any blanket statements, but that is kind of the foundation of how I tend to think about addiction is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, okay. I have something um, about the, the desolation that lay before Mordor.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is so horrifying. And, like, I mean, we talk about this briefly in the episode we have already recorded with Ben, but will, I think, come out, come after, out after this episode. This episode. Yeah. As, you know, like, reading this in uh, uh, our massive climate change era is a lot. Um, but there's, there's this whole area of like just like decay and rot and filth and it says like the gasping pools were choked with ash and crawling muds sickly white and gray as if the mountains had vomited the filth of their entrails upon the lands about high mounds of crushed and powdered rock great cones of earth fire blasted and poison stained stood like an obscene graveyard in endless rows slowly revealed in the reluctant light They had come to the desolation that lay before Mordor, the lasting monument to the dark labor of its slaves that should endure when all their purposes were made void, a land defiled, diseased beyond all healing, unless the great sea should enter in and wash it with oblivion. Gosh. It's a lot. It's bad. And, um, for a while they, like, stand there, um... And then as, you know, the sun comes up, it says, The sun was up, walking among clouds and long flags of smoke, but even the sunlight was defiled. The hobbits had no welcome for that light, unfriendly it seemed, revealing them in their helplessness. Little squeaking ghosts that wandered among the ash heaps of the Dark Lord.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's just, I mean, such, it's so vivid. And also, like, that little squeaking ghosts, like, it just paints that, you know, that difference of power between them and Sauron, like, so intensely.
1: Yeah, honestly, what this, like, landscape um, made me think of are the, like, long-time nuclear warning messages.
0: mm -hmm. And, like, Mm
1: -hmm. trying to intentionally create landscapes so hostile and off-putting that, like, after the, the presumable death of, like, our... Language and culture, like, future, future peoples can understand that it is, like, not a safe place.
0: hmm Yeah. 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 So that's, um, that's what I have for, I think, in the rest of that chapter, I didn't mark anything else.
1: I don't have anything, anything either, other than, you know, we see Sam, Sam sees an argument between Gollum and Smeagol. Uh, yes. In which Gollum and Smeagol... Um, kind of make their own
0: accord um, and, and it, this is also kind the of,
1: first reference to this is the end of the Return of the Kings movie, Smeagol says uh, that
0: the Two Towers movie
1: yes, thank you, sorry um, Smeagol says he'll take them through the path above Kirith Ungol and he'll let her take care of them
0: yeah, and it's and, and we do get more of this like, if we take it like, this is what Gollum is saying, or, I mean, Smeagol, if we take it, then Sauron will know, and he'll if we take, take the it ring. from us. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, and then Gollum kind of reasons and says, see, my precious, if we has it, then we can escape even from him, eh? Perhaps we grow very strong, stronger than wraiths. Lord Smeagol? Gollum the Great? The Gollum eat yeah. fish every day three times a day fresh from the sea yeah so that's kind of the you know like he's afraid to take it because he kind of has this understanding that like frodo is more capable of keeping it away from sauron than he is at least at this point mm-hmm. um but he he justifies to himself and it's like yeah but if we had it we would get powerful even though he had it for you know centuries previously and, didn't and did not get powerful.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anyways, um, uh, in chapter three, the black gate is closed. The first thing I have is Sam talking about his gaffer. Yep, me too. Well, here we are, said Sam. Here's the gate, and it looks to me as if that's about as far as we are ever going to get. My word, but the gaffer would have a thing or two to say if he saw me now. Often said I'd come to a bad end if I didn't watch my step, he did. But now I don't suppose I'll ever see the old fellow again. He'll miss his chance of, I told you so, Sam. More's the pity. He could go on telling me as long as he'd got breath, if only I could see his old face again. But I'd have to get a wash first, or he wouldn't know me.
1: Oh, Sam.
0: Oh, Sam. Um, yeah, this is where they come to the gate and realize that They can't go in that way. And I also, I marked this spot where Frodo is saying, I am commanded to go to the land of Mordor and therefore I shall go. If there is only one way, then I must take it. What comes after must come. And Sam's response to that, which is, Sam said nothing. The look on Frodo's face was enough for him. He knew that words of his were useless And after all, he never had any real hope in the affair from the beginning, but being a cheerful hobbit, he had not needed hope as long as despair could be postponed. Now they were come to the bitter end. But he had stuck to his master all the way, that was what he had chiefly come for, and he would still stick to him. And I just, that line about, like, he never had any real hope in the affair from the beginning, but being a cheerful hobbit. He had not needed hope as long as despair could be postponed, like he just has this sort of natural you know moment to moment like okayness um and so he he just like doesn't think about the future very much. Sam doesn't well, it's weird, like
1: yes and no, like he does in a hopeful way, but not in a way that um
0: that brings him
1: down if that makes sense
0: no but i think he doesn't think about it he says he never had any real hope and he hadn't needed it because he was a cheerful hobbit like i think i think this is one of the the differences between frodo and sam and part of sort of like you know frodo's anxiety is that frodo thinks about the future and sam is much more of a like living in the moment sort of person yeah
1: but i also think about like sam trying to ration their food so that they have food for the journey back from okay that's true and also about like galadriel giving sam dirt for the shire yeah on the anticipation of him getting home again yeah and like sam is the one who like it's weird it like he does think ahead But, like, not in the way that Frodo does, where, like, Frodo, like, dwells and is, like, morose about it. Like, Sam's is very... Sam only looks to the future and hope. Like, we also get in the scene... Like, Sam complains about, like, there's nothing to eat, but he carried his cook pots all this way and a little thing of salt in case they found a nice chicken to roast. Like, he does look to the future, but it's... The way that he and Frodo look to... And feel about the future is very different. Like, you are absolutely right about that.
0: Yeah, I think maybe it's more that, like, Sam's thoughts about the future are very colored by his present feelings. And Mm. because he's sort of naturally cheerful, like he says, then that's... He just imagines continuing to feel cheerful (laughs) and things working (laughs) out as as long as despair can be postponed, right? And now he's coming to a point where he is much the despair is much closer right and yeah. he is struggling to you know continue to postpone it
1: um yeah well and I I think I think part of this the part of the despair like is proximity like yeah. the whole thing is is like I will go this way with frodo and like he is beginning to understand that like frodo frodo is Literally going somewhere that, like, Sam can't go with him. And that is part of, like, what makes it, it what what makes him begin to despair, I yeah. think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the next thing I marked is when we learned that Sam uh, has nicknamed... Smeagol and Gollum, Slinker, slinker and, stinker. and Stinker.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they get, they get to the gate. They realize it's impassable
0: and Smeagol offers them this other way. Yeah. And yeah. then, and yeah. I mean, it is interesting because it says here, Sam's guess was that the Smeagol and Gollum halves, or what in his own mind he called Slinker and Stinker, had made a truce and a temporary alliance. Neither wanted the enemy to get the ring, both wished to keep Frodo from capture, and under their eye, as long as possible, at um, at any rate, as long as Stinker still had a chance of laying hands on his precious. Whether there really was another way into Mordor, Sam doubted. But it is, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's interesting to me that we get, like, a clear indication that Sam, like, has a pretty good understanding of what's going on with Gollum at that point. Which I don't, like, I don't think we get as much of in the film. You know, like, the audience sees those um, monologues slash dialogues um, Gollum and Smeagol have, uh, but... Well, it,
1: there's also, there's a huge timing difference in the adaptation. Like, that change does not happen yeah. in Smeagol and Gollum until um, after they're captured by Faramir's men.
0: Right, Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it just seems like Frodo, I mean, Sam is suspicious through the movie, but like, it seems like Frodo and Sam have a much better grasp on like, what is up with Gollum generally, um, in, in the book's. And maybe it's just because I'm a very words-oriented person, and so I understand things better when I'm reading them in words. And maybe people who watch the movie are like, oh yeah, it's right there, but I just don't pick up on that as much, because I, I don't know, I don't.
1: Well, I, I think Sam, in the movies, I read it much more as like, Sam is still mistrustful, but is basically like, acting upon the word of Frodo like Frodo is like we have to trust him and Sam is like okay like I will like I will follow I will follow your your plan like I'm following you and so like still has that but is kind of under the operational assumption uh, uh, under Frodo's operational assumption yeah yeah um yeah and then we also get we get another horse reference here
0: Oh yeah, where's this one? I just missed all the horse references somehow. Well,
1: because they're all none of them oh, I see none it. of them are like in the eye of the story. They're more like oblique references to things that happen off the page. So, um Frodo is like looking he's looking out towards the cliff of Cirith Gorgor. It says as he gazed Frodo became aware that there was a great stir and movement on the plain. It seemed as if whole armies were on the march, though for the most part they were hidden by the reeks and fumes drifting from the fens and wastes beyond. But here and there he caught the gleam of spears and helmets, and over the levels beside the roads horsemen could be seen riding in many companies. Yeah. He remembered his vision from afar upon amon Hen so few days before that though it now seemed many years. Then he knew the hope that had for one wild moment, stirred in his heart was vain. The trumpets had not rung in challenge, but in greeting. Yeah. This was no assault upon the Dark Lord by the men of Gondor, risen like a ghosts ghost from the graves of valor long passed away. Um, and he
0: realizes yeah, yeah. that it's so actually Sauron's, like, allies among men coming yeah, to be led into the gate. second he's like, oh, armies marching to fight Sauron. And then he's like, oh no, armies marching to help Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yikes. Yeah. Um... And, uh, we have another moment of, like, Frodo kind of commanding Gollum. Yeah. Weirdly. Yeah. Do you want to, um, um, yeah, I'm trying, let's see. Uh, so he says, he says, Smeagol, I will trust you once more. Indeed, it seems that I must do so, and that it is my fate to receive help from you, where I least looked for it, and your fate to help me, whom you long pursued with evil purpose. So far you have deserved well of me and have kept your promise truly. Truly, I say and mean, for twice now we have been in your power and you have done no harm to us, nor have you tried to take from me what you once sought. May the third time prove the best. But I warn you, Smeagol, you are in danger. And Gollum is like, oh yeah, dreadful danger i'm you know but i'm helping you and frodo says i did not mean the danger that we all share i mean a danger to yourself alone you swore a promise by what you call the precious remember that it will hold you to it but it will seek a way to twist it to your own undoing already you are being twisted you revealed yourself to me just now foolishly give it back to Smeagol. you said do not say that again do not let that thought grow in you You will never get it back, but the desire of it may betray you to a bitter end. You will never get it back. In the last need, Smeagol, I should put on the precious, and the precious mastered you long ago. If I, wearing it, were to command you, you would obey, even if it were to leap from a precipice or to cast yourself into the fire, and such would be my command. So have a care, Smeagol. (sighs) It is... It's, yeah. it's just like really intense. yeah here. because
1: we've seen we've seen Frodo react to Smeagol so far with like a, a degree of like pity and so for him to then be very firm and clear about like I will cause you harm if you turn on us is feels very abrupt.
0: Yeah it's interesting And also I mean it's like again like Frodo is gaining this understanding of the power of the ring. That, like, when he talks like that, like, he doesn't sound like a hobbit anymore. Right. You know, he is, he's no longer talking about, I don't know, hobbity things. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And then, yeah, this following paragraph is fascinating to me. Sam looked at his master with approval, but also with surprise. There was a look in his face and a tone in his voice that he had not known before. It had always been a notion of his that the kindness of dear Mr. Frodo was of such a high degree that it must imply a fair measure of blindness, right? Like he thinks Frodo is kind because he's undiscerning. Yeah. Of course, he also firmly held the incompatible belief that Mr. Frodo was the wisest person in the world, with the possible exception of old Mr. Bilbo and of Gandalf, Um, which I just, it's very cute. Um, Gollum in his own way and with much more excuse, as his acquaintance was much briefer, May have made a similar mistake, confusing kindness and blindness. At any rate, this speech abashed and terrified him. Yeah, and it's just—I don't know—it's very interesting. They are both like, "Oh, Frodo is kind," so the, yeah, he that must em- not... empathy
1: um equals like being naive, which is yes. very much not the case. Yeah, yeah.
0: What's your next thing? Mine is a few pages.
1: Uh, yes, mine is yeah. also a few pages. Um, uh, the next thing I have is when Frodo and Gollum are talking about Gollum's escape from Mordor. So they're asking about, like, how Gollum has been into Mordor before. And Frodo specifically talks about, like, Aragorn having encountered Gollum in the past. Um, and Gollum insists, like, so Frodo is implying that he was, like, intentionally loosed from Mordor to find Mm -hmm. the ring. And Gollum is like, he lied on me, yes he did. I did escape, all by my own poor self. Indeed, I was told to seek for the precious, and I have searched and searched. Of course I have, but not for the black one. The precious was ours. It was mine, I tell you. I did escape. And then Frodo felt a strange certainty that in this matter, Gollum was for once not so far from the truth as might be suspected, that he had found a way out of Mordor, and at least believed that it was by his own cunning. Um, yeah, but Frodo also has the thought at the same time, Frodo did not forget the wiles of the enemy. The escape may have been allowed or arranged and well known in the Dark Tower.
0: Yeah, yeah, because basically they're, you know, Gollum has promised them the secret way in and they're trying to figure out if it will actually be secret or if it's like a way that Sauron is extremely aware of already.
1: (laughs) Right. And then so Gollum, this is all about, like, Gollum trying to convince them to take Cirith Ungol. And then here's another one of those moments of, like, kind of interesting, like, pulling back to the wider scale that we only really Mm -hmm. see for the first time in this book. Um, Aragorn could have told them that name and its significance. This is of Cirith Ungol. Gandalf would have warned them. But they were alone, and Aragorn was far away. And Gandalf stood amid the ruin of Isengard and strove with Saruman, delayed by treason. Yet, even as he spoke his last words to Saruman, and the Palantir crashed in fire upon the steps of Orthanc, his thought was ever upon Frodo and Samwise. Over the long leagues, his mind sought for them in hope and pity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, For those of you who don't know, Ungol literally means spider. So, that's sinister
1: yeah and then so frodo frodo is still in this whole thing frodo is still kind of like debating his choice and then this is so um ouchy so he's talking about like he, he's musing to himself about like how he is the person least suited to this task and like least suited to be able to make these decisions about what way to go because he doesn't know enough about the world like he's not wise enough. Mm-hmm. um and he says, but he had taken it on himself in his own sitting room in the far-off spring of another year, so remote that it was now like a chapter in a story of the world's youth when the trees of silver and gold were still in bloom. This was an evil choice. Which way should he choose? And if both led to terror and death, what good lay in choice?
0: Yeah. Oh, it's rough.
1: Yeah. And then very briefly, we have one more horse reference. And then back to the- 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 Oliphant poem. Uh, yeah. Um, the Nazgul, like, buzz past them again on a wraith. And they're describing the feelings that Frodo and Sam are feeling. Uh, yeah. Uh, the same warning fear was on him as he had felt in the presence of the Black Riders, the helpless horror that had come with the cry and the wind and the shadow on the moon.
0: Yeah, um... All around a bad time. Yeah. And Sam says, and if they are Black Riders, same as before, then they can't see much by daylight, can they? no perhaps not said frodo but their steeds could see and these winged creatures that they ride on now they can probably see more than any other creature they're like great carrion birds yeah everyone's having a good time on oh, this terrible yeah. road trip um okay and then they see these people passing um more allies of mordor um and it
1: should i mean we we have talked about this before but like the description of these people is Yes, and, and I mean, yeah.
0: you know, Peter Jackson really leans into that in the film. Um, yeah, I think, he sure does. You know, you could be less that way based on this description, but, um, it is, um, you know, there are things, black eyes and long black hair and, you know, descriptions of jewelry and shield shapes and various things. Um, you know, Tolkien talked about like, he, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna defend Tolkien fully here, but I do think it's important to, like, I think it's important to have a nuanced view because I think we, you know, can call out racism more effectively that way than just, like, painting something really, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, uh, broadly. But Tolkien talked about, you know, making the orcs and other sort of, like, enemy races... Things that his target audience, white English people, would find less attractive because it was foreign to them. And so I do like, I think that's racist. I also think it was like that Tolkien was probably, I don't know, that he was not so much saying like, oh, all of these other races are in real life evil and bad as saying the people who are reading this book are going to like most relate to the protagonists looking like them and the enemies looking different and foreign, which is problematic, but I think a slightly different than uh, some authors might be doing. You know, I mean, am I making sense? Uh, yeah, I
1: mean, th- there is an interesting thread there because I remember there's the quote where like um, in the movies it's, um, uh, a Haradrim soldier gets shot in the body yes like, comes yes. right into the and, and he's talking about like Faramir is talking about the enemy soldier and is like I wonder like it's basically like this is a full ass person in the same way that I am a full ass person and I wonder like how he wound up here like how was he lied to and exploited and like what I wonder about you know, his life.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, and we have that. And
1: that, that is from that is textual. That is from the text. And so it, it is interesting to me that like Tolkien was aware of the ways and which that aware of the ways that he was um kind of playing with the force of like caricature and stereotype to like speak to people's emotions and in some ways pushed back against it and in some ways um didn't. Yeah. In many ways didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We 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 need to pick up the pace Uh, a little bit. Yeah, we do. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, Sorry. Uh, No, it's...
1: We should... Did you want to... um, No, just... The next thing is that poem. Just
0: noting that the poem is here, because we do still have to rewrite a song in this episode.
1: Yes. And those are our only two things in the entire section. There's Gollum's creepy fish song, and there's the poem about the Oliphant.
0: Okay, great. Um okay let's what's the most important um that description of the garden that they end up in uh near the beginning of chapter four is beautiful yeah um and I really think like reading this whole section I'm like man Peter Jackson missed out on some like physical locations like I think in some spots in the movie, like, that shines, and he does a great job. And in some places, I'm like, you had all of this material to work with, and you ignored it.
1: Yeah, well, it's like, you know, they they obviously made some decisions about, like, what... Because it's expensive to make movies. Yeah, But, like, I think about, like, all the love that was um, shown for, like, making and, and shooting Meduzeld and mm-hmm. all of Edoras... Um, and, like, that compared to some of the other, like, natural, natural
0: beauty. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's basically, it's an old garden of Gondor, um, and Ithilien. Um, but it says, uh, now desolate, kept still a disheveled dryad loveliness. And I love this. Many great trees grew there, planted long ago, falling into untended age amid a riot of careless descendants and groves and thickets there were of tamarisk and pungent terebinth of olive and of bay and there were junipers and myrtles and thymes that grew in bushes or with their woody creeping stems mantled in deep tapestries the hidden stones sages of many kinds putting forth blue flowers or red or pale green and marjorams and new-sprouting parsleys and many herbs of forms and scents beyond the garden-lore of sam and, like, there are, there's, like, three more lines about flowers, too. Um, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I had to look up what tamarisk and terebinth were. They're both trees that I think are actually mentioned in the Bible, uh, which, I don't know, is interesting. Given There's also a horse
1: reference here. Um, that we skipped over going back a oh, page sorry. really fast. It's it's so brief. It like it feels silly to yeah, even mention okay. it other than like, we're the horse podcast. Um, On their way in, it says their ears were strained for the sound of hoof or foot on the road ahead or following them behind. But the night passed and they heard no sound of walker or rider. Horse reference number three. Wow. Our flimsy excuse to talk about the podcast. Wow. To talk about. Yes. To talk on the podcast for like three hours today. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Um. So, and, and this is, okay, really fast. So they're, you know, walking through this, like, beautiful garden, and it's such a relief for them after, like, the the areas that they've just traversed. And then Sam, Sam scrambling below the outfall of the lake, smelling and touching the unfamiliar plants and trees, forgetful for the moment of Mordor, was reminded suddenly of their ever-present peril. He stumbled on a ring still scorched by fire, and in the midst of it, he found a pile of charred and broken skulls and bones. Yeah. Um, and he decides to not mention it to Frodo or yeah, to Yeah, just finds and... a
0: different place to camp. Yeah. He's protecting them. Um, yeah. Okay, the, there's a really important moment here, which is...
1: Is this the Sam and Frodo moment?
0: Yes. Oh my god, yeah, we have to talk about okay. this. Um, so Frodo is sleeping. Um, and Sam is looking at him, um, (laughs) and he was reminded suddenly of Frodo as he had lain asleep in the house of Elrond after his deadly wound. Then, as he had kept watch, Sam had noticed that at times a light seemed to be shining faintly within, but now the light was even clearer and stronger. And we talked at that point about that kind of weird, like, transparency that Frodo was having that, like, Gandalf talks about in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Frodo's face was peaceful, the marks of fear and care had left it, but it looked old, old and beautiful, as if the chiseling of the shaping years was now revealed in many fine lines that had before been hidden, though the identity of the face was not changed. Not that Sam Gamgee put it that way to himself. He shook his head, as if finding words useless, and murmured, I love him. He's like that, and sometimes it shines through somehow. But I love him, whether or no. Oh, <sighs> yeah.
1: Fellas, so, is it gay to admire the inherent light radiating from your sleeping boyfriend and whisper to yourself, "I love him"? Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um. Also, it's interesting. Right after that line, like literally the next sentence, it says, "Gollum returned quietly from like hunting, and peered over Sam's shoulder." Looking at Frodo, he shut his eyes and crawled away without a sound. Yeah. Sam came to him a moment later and found him chewing something and muttering to himself. Um, and, yeah, do I don't know. How did you read that moment? I don't know. I don't know if, you know, if if Smeagol is having a moment of empathy or if he's jealous or if he's... I don't know.
1: I... yeah. It is, it is interesting because we usually talk about like empathy among these characters like going a certain way of like of of frodo and sam and specifically frodo for gollum but i do like it as like this kind of being the inverse is like gollum like recognizing the like uh, humanity of frodo in this moment like through kind of his own fog yeah
0: yeah and I mean, his next lines, like when Sam goes to him, he says, Smeagol always helps. He said he has brought rabbits, nice rabbits, but Master has gone to sleep and perhaps Sam wants to sleep. Doesn't want rabbits now? Smeagol tries to help, but he can't catch things all in a minute, which, you know, I think has like a little bit of resentment and a little bit of, you know, like, hey, I tried to please you. um, And and yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I think maybe it's more that, like, Gollum comes and sees this moment and sort of recognizes that he can't partake in it. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. That, like, they're having an experience that he doesn't have or can't have anymore. And sort Fuck, of yeah. responds by, like, isolating, Drawing pulling away. back. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Um, so... Fro- like, Sam and Smeagol have this whole wonderful, co- like, this is the potatoes conversation while Frodo sleeps because Sam wants to make Frodo a little rabbit stew because, you know, they've been having a bad day. Yeah. When, and when Frodo eventually wakes up, um, I, I do love this little line briefly, Frodo half opened his eyes as Sam stood over him, and then he wakened from his dreaming, another gentle, unrecoverable dream of peace. Mm. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. So they eat a nice little stew. Gollum chastises Sam for doing a fire when they're in enemy territory. And Sam is like, I am going to make sure this fire, like no one but us knows about this fire. It's fine.
0: Yeah. It doesn't smoke if you make it properly, which he did for now. <laughs> um, for now. I, I also, I love this line. Um, What's more? This is Sam talking to Smeagol. What's more, if you turn over a new leaf and keep it turned, I'll cook you some taters one of these days. I will. Fried fish and chips served by S. G. You couldn't say <laughs> no to that. And it's so funny. It's I don't so know. Good. We've never so seen good. this, like, S. G before. And it's, I, I'm you know? just really charmed by it.
1: It's, it, yeah, it's
0: a really good moment.
1: It also, like, Sam, it, it also is interesting. Because, like, at this point, like, Sam... Sam knows like that Sam has overheard like Smeagol and Gollum's but I think he like I think he means it in this moment like I think he in doing the thing that he does to relate to other people which is take care of them Mm -hmm. he um kind of like loses his distrust for a minute
0: yeah well I think it's it's not fully it's like lessened I think so part of like part of what you know, impacts our feelings about other people is, like, our feelings about ourself and, like, our sort of, like, internal security. Wow,
1: therapist Joey. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> and, and I think when Sam is cooking, he has his own sort of purpose and security of self and identity. Um, yeah. and is then, like, coming from that place is able to, like, have kind of a moment of connection and empathy with Smeagol. Whereas,
1: well, yeah. And I also think it's, it's uh, like, it's this moment of like, I like, I love the little ways that like Sam and Frodo, even though they're different people, like mirror each other. Mm -hmm. And this feels like a moment of like Sam mirroring like Frodo's hope for Gollum's Yeah. Rehabilitation. And again, there's a, like, there's that, like, one of these days, like, we'll have potatoes again. Like, they're, like, they're, even if they're talking about it in this very, like, abstract, like, oh, one of these days, like, Uh it's that there will be some return to, like, normalcy and, and safety for them.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, they meet Faramir.
1: They meet, they meet Faramir. And Faramir, the way Faramir is described is, like, so interesting. Because everyone, and I love this, everyone looks at Faramir and is immediately like, this dude has a wizard vibes. Wait, where,
0: where, where does it say wizard vibes? I mean, no, I know it, it doesn't it happens, say that happen- exact thing, but. No, 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 no.
1: Like, it's not really in this first meeting, but like, okay. the more that Sam and Frodo talk, like Sam, like Sam explicitly says to him later, like, you have the air of the wizards, and Frodo talks about like, Faramir's like serious wise eyes and how it reminds him of Gandalf.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's Faramir's transness coming through. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, really. Like, what, I, think, what is, I think what is more wizardly than trans in your gender?
0: I think trans people have had to, you know, have this deeper level of insight um, and uh, like have had to work through stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. to kind of examine, you know, the gender feelings and, and decide how to deal with them or be in the process of deciding how to deal with them.
1: Magic is about changing the immutable laws of the universe and living in the world and like shucking society in that particular way is, yes. And that particular way does feel like moving something immovable. Yes.
0: And Faramir has done that because he's obviously trans. (sighs)
1: So trans.
0: Um, but they do have this, like, we see Frodo at kind of
1: his most, like, um tricksy here. Like, he's not, I I love the kind of, like, back and forth. Like, both Faramir and Frodo are smart, and they're kind of politely, like, talking circles around each other, trying to figure out, like, what what exactly the deal is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also love this line of Sam's, where, like, the four men are talking to each other about the hobbits standing in front of them. And Sam is oh, like, yes. and when you finish discussing us, perhaps you'll say who you are and why you can't let two tired travelers arrest.
1: It's really good.
0: Yeah. Uh, I did, I was curious about this. And maybe I'll say this and then someone like Nicole will send me an email explaining, um... It says after a while he spoke to them, but they were slow and cautious in answering. This is, I think, s- for uh, one of them talking to a couple of the guards who were left behind with them. Who who are like the Dunedain? <laughs> yes, they named themselves Mablung and Damrod, soldiers of Gondor, and they were rangers of Athelion, for they were descended from folk who lived in Athelion at one time before it was overrun. Um, I don't. I don't remember what the exact overlap between Dunedain and rangers are. Like, if all of the rangers are Dunedain, or if... Yeah, they are, right? It's just Dunedain. Yeah, I th- I think is... so,
1: right? I'm thinking of, like, in the movie when Eowyn realizes what Aragorn is, and she says, you are one of the Dunedain, the rangers of the north. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but what's... So What's what I'm curious about is... Like I know they all kind of have their different areas, right? And I think Aragorn mm-hmm. has maybe been closer to the Shire for the most part, at least recently. Um, but like, does Aragorn know these guys? Like, do the Rangers? Oh,
1: interesting. All know yeah. Well, each like, other? How, how much of
0: what? What's the organizational structure there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like they don't know that he is technically their king, right? But yeah, I just. I don't know. I guess I wonder, you know, like what dealings has Aragorn had with Gondor and people currently living in Gondor. I think not.
1: Like the whole thing is that he has avoided Gondor for his entire life. There's there's like an inevitability of like magnetism there like yeah. if he goes to Gondor it, that kicks off a series of events right. that he is not ready yet for whatever reason right so i don't think he's spent any time yeah in no that makes
0: sense it's just weird then i mean or really interesting like he's sort of this rogue ranger right like i mean maybe all yeah. the rangers are sort of rogue but i get the sense that like at least the rangers like closer to gondor are like you know they know each other they're the well rangers. and i might be
1: misremembering here but isn't part of it is that like there used to be more rangers like farther west like in the shot like in the Shire, and that over time there are far oh, less. Oh, yeah, like, that's so. He might be one of the only.
0: True. Yeah, or the only. Yeah. Anyways, um, it's interesting. That's an interesting question.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So they they get captured. Gollum isn't captured with them. Well, um, yeah. Although they're, they are not
0: really captured. I've got to say, like in the book. No, this comes. It's across like an as escort much, for their safety. Yes, it's much less hostile. Yeah, it it really is. Then it is played in the movie. Um, they have to wait while, Faramir's guys fight some of these like, allies of Mordor. Um, Sam sees an Oliphant. Um, yeah, and there's
1: it's like a weird, a thing that constantly catches me unawares about these books is like, he infuses these small moments with, like, such intense melancholy. So, like, they see an oliphant go kind of charging through, like, right next to mm-hmm. them. And then, Sam like, Sam you know, soon he was lost to view, still trumpeting and stamping far away. Yeah. What became of him, Sam never heard. Whether he escaped to roam the wild for a time until he perished far from his home or was trapped in some deep pit. Or whether he raged on until he plunged into the great river and was swallowed up.
0: Yeah. Ugh. And then, and then Sam is like, an oliphant it was, he said. So there are oliphants, and I have seen one. What a life. But no one at home will ever believe me. Well, if that's over, I'll have a bit of sleep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's so, he's so, like, he's just practical about everything in a way that
0: is so charming. Yeah, it's great. Um... Anyways, uh, chapter five, the window on uh, the west. Um, The first thing I have is Sam talking back to Faramir when he says, well, first he says to Frodo, begging your pardon, Mr. Frodo, he said, but this has gone on long enough. He's no right to talk to you so. After all you've gone through, as much for his good and all these great men as for anyone else. See here, Captain... He planted himself squarely in front of Faramir, his hands on his hips, and a look on his face as if he was addressing a young hobbit who had offered him what he called sauce when questioned about (laughs) visits to the orchard. There was some murmuring, but also some grins on the faces of the men looking on. The sight of their captain sitting on the ground, and eye to eye with a young hobbit, legs well apart, bristling with wrath, was one beyond their experience. See here, he said, what are you driving at? Let's come to the point before all the orcs of Mordor come down on us. If you think my master murdered this Boromir and then ran away, you've got no sense. But say it and have done, and then let us know what you mean to do about it. But it's a pity that folk as talk about fighting the enemy can't let others do their bit in their own way without interfering. He'd be mighty pleased if he could see you now. Think he'd got a new friend, he would. As in Sauron. It's Sauron would be mighty yes. pleased. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good, especially because, like, Boromir and Frodo are kind of doing this, like... Faramir and Frodo, you bat- mean. That... Oh, fuck. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because Faramir and Frodo are kind of doing this, like, wonderful, like, battle of wits, like, talking around Yeah, each other. Faramir is really like,
0: trying to, like, trap Frodo into saying... Into, like, tripping and, up yeah, or, like, revealing and, a lie, you know?
1: And reveals Boromir's death. Yeah. Um, and so they're talking, Frodo's asking him, like, how he knew of the death. And, um, Faramir, um, I-, I just think this is such an interesting detail. So Faramir kind of has, like, a, a dream vision about what happened. Yeah. You know, he's, it- it's similar to how it is in the movies, where he's, like, standing in the water, and the water brings a boat to him. hmm Um, but I, and I think this is an I don't know why... Like, the visual of this I just find so compelling. So the boat is, like, floating in the water. Um, The boat turned toward me and stayed its pace and floated slowly by within my hand's reach, and yet I durst not handle it. It waded deep, as if it were heavily burdened, and it seemed to me as it passed under my gaze that it was almost filled with clear water from which there came the light, and lapped in the water a warrior lay asleep. Like... The image of a boat floating on the water itself filled with this, like, otherworldly water is so, um, like, poetic and evocative. Yeah,
0: yeah. And here's another thing, is that Faramir says, like, well, it must have been a vision because there's no way a boat would have gone all the way there. Um, and yet, how could any vessel ride the foam of the Great Falls and not founder in the boiling pools, though laden with water? Um, well, Frodo says that actually. And Faramir says, I know not, but whence came the boat? Um, and Frodo says from Lorien, they also were of elven work. And again, like this is a clear example of elvish boats being, you know, better at things, being a little bit magically protected, especially this one that they sort of like made part of a funeral procession or rite, um... And they're just like, well, couldn't have been real because boats don't do that, but Elvish boats do.
1: (laughs) But Elvish boats, but Elvish boats do. Yeah, and I love, like, we've talked about this before, about, like, people having to, like, share and compare the little bits of, like, overlapping and contrasting information that they have to kind of get the the larger picture. And I love how they do it here to, like, check each other's story. Like, Faramir says that, like, Boromir was, like, clad in a golden belt, and Faramir is like, oh, yeah, like, that's the belt Galadriel gave him.
0: Yeah, Frodo says Um, that,
1: yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. And, you know, then reveals that um, Boromir's horn washed up in multiple pieces upon the shore.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And Faramir says, but whatever befell in the North March, you, Frodo, I no longer doubt. If hard days have made me any judge of men's words and faces, then I might make a guess at Halflings. Though there is something strange about you, Frodo. An elvish heir, maybe. Yeah. Um and says he's gonna take them back. Um it, basically he says, like, I like what I should rightly do is take you to Minas Tirith,
0: but like I, I need
1: to think about yeah, this. So they
0: go to the behind the waterfall hideout.
1: Yeah, which is also described beautifully. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like, the description of, they they get there at a specific, at a specific time, like, as the sun is setting, and Tolkien, the way that Tolkien describes the light hitting the water as if it turns to all of these, like, liquid jewels.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. What happened, Peter Jackson? (laughs) Anyways, so they talk, and they talk, and other things happen, and they talk, and they're there, and, um... The hobbits sleep for a little bit and then they get up and eat with the men. And, oh, actually, Sam doesn't sleep. He's suspicious. And he keeps himself awake by sticking his knuckles in his eyes (laughs) to keep himself awake. And somehow he he, he does it. He stays awake the whole time. And then, oh, yes. and (laughs) uh, One of the men brings them a wide copper bowl of water and a white cloth. Um so that they can, you know, like wash their hands. And Sam's like, put it on the ground, Master, if you please. He said, Easier for me and you. Then to the astonishment and amusement of the men, he plunged his head into the cold water and splashed his neck and ears. Yeah. Cause There's he's also a great moment of like up.
1: table of like table manners oh, yeah, where, like they're like kind of comparing customs, which is cute. I, I do I do want to go back really okay. fast. Um, like before they get to the falls, um, like when they're still talking about, um, they're they're talking about like the quest, and they're comparing their like shared knowledge of Gandalf, and Gandalf is talking about, or, or Faramir is like, oh no, like Gandalf was lost, and um, Faramir puts together that like Frodo must have Isildur's bane, even though he doesn't fully realize what that is yet yeah and Faramir says fear no more I would not take this thing if it lay by the highway not where Minas Tirith falling in ruin and I alone could save her so using the weapon of the Dark Lord for her good and my glory no I do not wish for such triumphs and Frodo says like that was also the council's will and then there's this great little quote from Faramir that I think describes him so well Mm -hmm. He says, for myself, I would see the white tree and flower again and the courts of the kings and the silver crown return and ministereth in peace, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then war must be while we defend our lives against a destroyer who would devour all. But I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior or his f- for his glory. I love only that which they defend, the city of the men of Numenor. And I would have her love for her memory, her ancient tree, her beauty, and her present wisdom, not feared, save as men may fear the dignity of an old man and wise. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so. Um, so we do have a couple horse references here, or at least one, um, because Faramir, it talks kind of about some of the history of Gondor, um, and- becoming allies with the rohirim um Mm -hmm. and and says these are the rohirim as we name them masters of horses and we ceded to them the fields of cullinardon that are since called rohan for that province had long been sparsely peopled and they became our allies and have ever proved true to us aiding us at need and guarding our northern marches and the gap of rohan um and it says, "And we love them, tall men and fair women, valiant both alike, golden-haired, bright-eyed, and strong." <laughs> yeah. Um. Damn. Damn. Uh. You gotta love friendly relations between nations. You yeah. Know? And then maybe one of my. There's also
1: there's also the quote that Bin talks about in the episode that comes out after this, but that I really love. For, as the Rohirrim do, we now love war and valor as things good in themselves, both a sport and an end.
0: Which, like, fuck. Yeah, I talk about that quote in that episode, actually.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I thought Ben talked no, about ben it. No, Ben had
0: sort of alluded I to apologize. it, and then I brought up the actual quote. It's fine.
1: <laughs> I I can't believe you expect me to remember something we talked about last weekend.
0: Um, Yeah, I, but it is, I mean... It's, it's this very clear picture of like Faramir, like the differences between Faramir and Boromir. And he says, even like he says, so even was my brother Boromir, a man of prowess. And for that, he was accounted the best man in Gondor. Um, But like he, Faramir is not a warrior the way Boromir is. And, and he has, you know, this kind of like perspective on the way Gondor has started to value war and warriors for themselves and not as a means to the end of, you know, peace and um, other kinds of pursuits.
1: Yeah. And then, so at the end of
0: this conversation, so wait, I don't know how far you are. Cause I have one thing, uh, one Sam quote before we get to kind of the moment when Sam reveals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But then let's do that. I'm also trying to remember you're talking about like, The way that Boromir and Faramir are different, and there's a quote that I was just flipping through my things and I can't find, which is like, which is like Faramir talking about like the failings of his brother. Um, but the Sam or Frodo is like, but like I can see in this moment how they are kin, and now I can't find it, which is frustrating. But you should go ahead and do your
0: quote. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, kind of. And I'm not sure where it was either, but, um, yeah. Um, anyways, okay. Sam says, so Faramir says, like, I envy you that have spoken with the white lady. Um, Sam says the lady of Lorien, Galadriel, you should see her. Indeed, you should, sir. I am only a hobbit, and gardening's my job at home, sir. If you understand me, which is funny because I know that if you understand me, it is not intended as a like, hey, this is a euphemism, but it kind of. Uh, but it feels like way. it every time. Yeah, I know. Like I'm a gardener. Wink, wink. Nice, I just nudge. like to till the earth, if you know what I mean. Um. And I'm not much good at poetry, not at making it. A bit of comic rhyme, perhaps, now and again, you know, but not real poetry, so I can't tell you what I mean. It ought to be sung. And then, and then he says, But I wish I could make a song about her. Beautiful she is, sir. Lovely. Sometimes like a great tree in flower. Sometimes like a white daffodam dilly. Small and slender-like. Hard as diamonds, soft as moonlight. Warm as sunlight, cold as frost in the stars proud and far off as a snow mountain and as merry as any lass I ever saw with daisies in her hair in springtime but that's a lot of nonsense and all wide of my mark Sam Sam in his eulogizing poetry is so good and then he sort of he's talking about like well Lothlorien isn't perilous but you kind of you could bring peril in with you and he says now Bora and then stops and blushes and Faramir is like, yes, now Boromir, you would say? What would you say? He took his peril with him. um. And then Sam just comes out with it all. um, And yeah. finally says, from the moment he first saw it, he wanted the enemy's ring. And then he feels awful about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, S- S- Frodo, who had kind of been, um, like, in his own thoughts, you know, like, cries out, Sam.
0: Yeah, and then, I love this, save me, said Sam, turning white, and then flushing Scarlet, there I go again. Whenever you open your big mouth, you put your foot in it, the gaffer used to say to me, and right enough, oh dear, oh dear. And then he says, now look here, sir, he turned, facing up to Faramir with all the courage that he could muster, don't you go taking advantage of my master because his servant's no better than a fool. You've spoken very handsome all along, put me off my guard, talking of elves and all, But handsome is as handsome does, we say. Now's a chance to show your quality. Which is, that's where that line initially comes in in the book. Yeah. Yeah, Which is interesting. Sam says it to him. And Faramir is like, oh, the ring. Um, A pretty stroke of fortune. A chance for Faramir, captain of Gondor, to show his quality. He stood up very tall and stern, his gray eyes glinting. And then, like, Frodo and Sam both try to, like, draw their swords and, like, get with their backs to the wall. Um, And then Faramir sits sits down and begins to laugh. And then becomes grave again. And it's, yeah, alas for Boromir, it was too sore a trial. But he stays noble. He says, not if I found it on the highway, would I take it? I said... Even if I were such a man as to desire this thing, and even though I knew not clearly what this thing was when I spoke, still I should take those words as a vow and be held by them. Um, Sit at peace and be comforted, Samwise. If you seem to have stumbled, think that it was fated to be so. Your heart is shrewd as well as faithful and saw clearer than your eyes.
1: And so, yeah, he, he, he promises to... God, words. I'm sorry. I'm so distracted by, like, not being able to find this quote that I wanted to talk about that oh, I just yeah. feel, like, really, um, which is silly. Okay. I just need to, like, and keep going. Yeah.
0: Um, except now I want to... Oh, oh I found okay, it! I found okay, it! I found great, it! Oh, great, my God. Great, great.
1: Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Whew. Um, yeah, so it's it's before all of this comes out, and this is, I'm so frustrated with myself, this is after the big quote about Faramir being, like, Like, I don't love war for war's sake. I love war for what it defends. And he says, so fear me not. I do not ask you to tell me more. I do not even ask you to tell me whether I now speak nearer the mark. Mm -hmm. When he's trying to figure out the ring. But if you will trust me, it may be that I can advise you in your present quest, whatever that be, and even aid you. Frodo made no answer. Almost he yielded to the desire for help and counsel. To tell this grave young man, whose words seemed so wise and fair, all that was in his mind. But something held him back. His heart was heavy with fear and sorrow. If he and Sam were indeed, as seemed likely, all that was now left of the Nine Walkers, then he was in sole command of their secret and their errand. Better mistrust undeserved than rash words. And the memory of Boromir, of the dreadful change that the lure of the ring had worked on him, was very present in his mind, when he looked at Faramir and listened to his voice. Unlike they were, and yet also much akin. Mm. Yeah. (sighs) I'm sorry. That was such a like buildup to find that stupid quote. Okay. So, um, back to where we were talking about, like everything is now kind of revealed. Um, and, uh, Frodo is so like overwhelmed by like the tension of the situation. Frodo had felt himself trembling as the first shock of fear passed. Now a great weariness came down on him like a cloud. He could dissemble and resist no longer. I was going to find a way into Mordor, he said faintly. I was going to Gorgoroth. I must find the mountain of fire and cast the thing into the gulf of doom. Gandalf said so. I do not think I shall ever get there. Faramir stared at him for a moment in grave astonishment. Then suddenly he caught him as he swayed and, lifting him gently, carried him to the bed and laid him there and covered him warmly. Um, this is the end, the, the end of Window on the West. It's very good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, there is a, a line a little bit before that, um, where we get, well, Frodo, now at last we understand one another, said Faramir, which is after, you know, Sam has has sort of revealed the thing. It is, interestingly,
1: a line in the movie that we talked about so much and is, like, in such a different context.
0: Yeah. If you took this thing on yourself, unwilling at others asking, then you have pity and honor from me, and I marvel at you to keep it hid and not to use it. You are a new people and a new world to me. Are all your kin of like sort? Your land must be a realm of peace and content, and there must gardeners be in high honor. Not all is well there, said Frodo, but certainly gardeners are honored.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, so this is this is an interesting moment because, like, Faramir clearly understands their quest and seems to agree with them about the use of the ring, but, like, critically hasn't offered to help them yet because he, like, Aemir choosing to let the riders pass through Rohan, mm-hmm. is, like, has to make a decision about like disobeying the laws of his own land.
0: Yeah, has that been made explicit in the book? Um, Yeah, he says, he says, um, hold on, where was it? I thought it was in the next chapter, in the Forbidden Pool. It's just that Gollum, it's that Gollum has made his way to their secret hideout without being blindfolded.
1: No, 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 no. He says specifically about, like, I should take this to Minas Tirith or my life would be justly forfeit.
0: Mm. Um,
1: but he, he hasn't promised to help them yet. Oh, here it is, here it is. Okay. This is, uh, like, after they're talking about, like, they're talking about Faramir's vision of the boat. Um... He says, "I read the first half of this quote, but whatever befell on the North March, you, Frodo, I doubt no longer. If hard days have made me any judge of men's words and faces, then I may make a guess at the Halflings. Though, and now he smiled, there is something strange about you, Frodo, an Elvish air, maybe, but more lies upon your words together than I thought at first. I should now take you back to Minas Tirith to answer there to Denethor, and my life will justly be forfeit if I now choose a course that proves ill for my city. So I will not decide in haste what is to be done."
0: Yeah, that's what I was, what I wanted. It's not that his life will automatically be forfeit for not taking him to Minas Tirith. It's that it would be forfeit if he chooses a course that proves ill for his city. Right. And so he wants to tread carefully. Okay, that's all. I just was trying to figure out like what you know. No, it's because it's because he's choosing the good of the larger thing
1: or he's he's choosing the
0: because the council's will over his nation's will. Right, but in the book we haven't like, we don't get the scene in the book where Denethor tells Mm -hmm. Boromir to get the ring and bring it back to the city. So I was, so I was ah. just trying to figure out, like, what, like, what information do we have about Gondor and what yeah. they want and what they're trying yeah. to do. Okay, okay, the Forbidden Pool. Oh, hold on. Oh. <laughs> um, the
1: the last thing in the window of the West. This is the thing I was oh, yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. earlier. This is like the last couple of graphs. Frodo is asleep, having been very carefully and lovingly tucked in by yes, Faramir, yes, yes. which Chef's kiss, and Sam says, um. Well, you said my master had an elvish air, and that was good and true. But I can say this. You have an air too, sir, that reminds me of, well, of Gandalf. Of wizards. Hmm. Nice. Okay, now the forbidden pool.
0: Last chapter. Um, yeah, I, I... Just thinking about Faramir and the way he's portrayed, you know, in book versus movie, like, I understand, you know... Peter Jackson sort of adding tension and, and, and developing this whole line with like, you know, that, I mean, that scene with Denethor telling Boromir to get the ring and Faramir wanting to like live up to him. And, and I find that compelling. I also, though, I don't know. I, I'm torn because on the one hand that sort of like being tempted by power is maybe more realistic in some ways, But it feels so much more sort of hopeful to me, or maybe I think this is what Tolkien was going for, to have, like, another character who's like, yeah, like, I agree with your mission and I'm on board without it being this massive thing. And, yeah, I don't know, that there are, like, it's not just, like, everyone sucks, (laughs) And only Frodo believes in, you know, that there are other, like, like Ottergorn, that there are other people who are kind of gonna, like, do the noble thing and be on their side. And I like that. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess I don't interpret it as, it, like, that everyone sucks as more of, like, <laughs> it's like leftist infighting about, like... <laughs> the means to an end like the world is complicated and the stakes are very real and like of course people have like fundamental disagreements about like about how to make the changes that they want to make and about what those changes should be um i agree that it is like it is such a relief to like for frodo and sam to
0: stumble upon good actors yeah you know yeah I guess it just, yeah, I mean, it feels like part of the fantasy of it, which again, like we're dealing with this sort of like personified evil, right? And, Mm -hmm. and in that context of fantasy, having these people who are sort of less tempted or more, it feels inspiring to me. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I I don't, like, disagree with Peter Jackson's choice. I'm just reflecting on, like, what I like about how Tolkien's path diverges.
1: Yeah, I I will say, like, it is inspiring. I feel like a thing that I want more of is... So the two kind of big examples that I can think of here along this line are Faramir and Aemir, both of whom are, like, fucking princes, Like, I think it means more when we see it, uh, like, on the scale of Frodo, where it's, like, it is more people who, like, don't necessarily have a lot of power within the systems that they're working for, like, choosing to use what power they have or or work outside that power to do the good thing. Like, um, like an example, a better example of that is, um, uh, is Hama, like Hama's interactions with Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I, I do agree with you, like, um, yeah, it it is, I am glad it is not the, like, Game of Thrones approach where, like, yeah, everyone's a piece of
0: shit. Yeah, I think maybe it's not so much, I don't mean it's, like, like, I, I feel sort of personally inspired more by characters like Hama and Frodo and Sam. I guess it is part of the, like, oh, like, seeing Faramir be like this makes me more able to envision, a better world um yeah in you know yeah
1: because so much so much of the drama of it in the in the movies it's more of like instead of like a systemic drama about like this is the way that like power and like good and evil works in the world which is like kind of how it is in the book in the movie it's more like the interpersonal drama of like faramir like Faramir working against his dad Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and Mm -hmm. like obviously he wants to do good but like that is more um it like the scale of it in the movies feels more interpersonal if that makes sense yeah
0: yeah or am I missing the mark no I I think that's right I just you know I like to imagine some less corrupt leaders in the world I think yeah you know it's yeah it's it's that feels particularly fantastical right right a little wish fulfillment and i'm still like i would love to not have princes you know or like massive leaders in general i mean not that he's actually a i mean he's a he's a steward son they call stewardson they call him a prince of gondor do they call him a prince of gondor
1: no. 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 I don't think no. anyone calls him a prince. No. But, it, but like yeah, that is I mean that is functionally yes, the
0: Yes, he is in power. But he's also it's not like he's protected from things either. He's out there with his men fighting and like taking an active role in stuff. Yeah, that's
1: yes, that's very true. Yeah, and his and is like put more in harm's way. Yeah. Like because of like being on on the on the
0: border. Yeah. 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 Okay, sorry for that detour. I know we need to oh, get no, through this. Oh no,
1: it's a good. I you know we're we're almost there. We're almost yeah, there. There's it not a, a lot detour. in this
0: chapter that I actually wanted to talk about. Um, I don't know how it is for you, but
1: same. I really only have. like honestly, most of this could be tossed to the side. I have like two Frodo and Gollum
0: moments that I. Want okay, to talk about. I have one Sam moment. Which is that when Faramir calls them outside, because he's seen Gollum, he oh, doesn't yeah. immediately... Well, he calls Frodo outside, and he doesn't immediately tell Frodo what is up. And Sam, of right. course, follows him um, and says, It's a fine view, no doubt, Mr. Frodo, but chilly to the heart, not to mention the bones. What's going on? Faramir heard and answered, Moonset, over Gondor, fair Ithil, as he goes from Middle-earth, glances upon the white locks of old Mindoluin. It is worth a few shivers, but that is not what I brought you to see. Though as for you, Samwise, you were not brought, and do but pay the penalty of your watchfulness. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Pay the penalty of your watchfulness? Yeah. Anyways, and then... They look down. People, and when see will Gollum people there.
1: understand? I know it's a different context, but when will people understand that inviting Frodo means inviting Sam? Yeah.
0: They are it's a, a unit.
1: These two cannot be separated.
0: No.
1: Um, the moments I want to talk about, yeah, are, um, like when Frodo is actually like walking down into the pool mm-hmm. to, um, coax Gollum. Do you have anything before nope. that? Uh, so. It's, you know, everything is, like, kind of slippery from the waterfall. Wait, sorry, I do.
0: I do. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Frodo says, like, Faramir is like, what, you know, why is he here? And Frodo says, there are two answers, I think. For one thing, he knows little of men, and sly though he is, your refuge is so hidden that perhaps he does not know that men are concealed here. For another, I think he is allured here by a mastering desire stronger than his caution. He is lured here, you say, said Faramir in a low voice. Can he, does he then know of your burden? Indeed, yes, he bore it himself for many years. He bore it, said Faramir, breathing sharply in his wonder. This matter winds itself ever in new riddles. Then he is pursuing it. Maybe it is precious to him. But I did not speak of that. What then does the creature seek? Fish, said Frodo. (laughs) Look, and I just love that... Like Frodo said, I think he is allured here by a mastering desire stronger than his caution. He was talking about fish.
1: <laughs> fish, right. It's so good. Okay,
0: now you can go ahead.
1: Um, so Frodo is um climbing down to the pool and it says Frodo crept forward using his hands golem like to feel and steady himself. Mm. Which um wonderful little detail of I like I I just I really like that. Yeah. Um, They are connected. And then this is, I think, such an interesting difference from the movie. So, you know, he he knows he has to, um, like, lure Gollum up to be captured by the men. And that's not very clear or very explicit in the movie. Like, in the movie, it's just like, yeah, go get him. And... um,
0: Oh, I thought it was more explicit in the movie.
1: I don't well, so let's read the let's. I, I want to read this okay, section well, of the book yeah, really fast. I have and then to admit we'll something, into... which is
0: that I just realized that I never finished reading this chapter. I thought I had read the next. Oh, chapter too. No! It's I just had never finished reading this one. Oh, that's funny because it was before Those are the, the, the opposite the thing, the Jerry. Ben interview and yeah, and then we were like, well, it's fine because we're not actually talking thoroughly about these chapters. And then
1: in your mind, you were just like, oh, "I'm done." Yeah.
0: I was like, well, I did the reading yeah. and so I've read That's funny. like sort of until Frodo is like down there talking to Smeagol and not really.
1: Beyond. Oh, oh, okay. Well then perfect. Let okay. me read this to you. So Gollum and Frodo are talking mm-hmm. and, um, Frodo says, I'm not going with, um, uh, or Gollum is like, why don't we just like leave yeah, yeah, and yeah. leave yeah. that other stinky hobbit? And Frodo's like, we're not leaving without him. Um, He did not really fear that Faramir would allow Gollum to be killed, but he would probably make him prisoner and bind him. And certainly what Frodo did would seem a treachery to the poor treacherous creature. It would probably be impossible to ever make him understand or believe that Frodo had saved his life in the only way he could. What else could he do? To keep faith as near as might be with both sides. Like, that we see... In the moment and ahead of the consequences, that like Frodo understands that like Gollum will view this as a treachery. Yeah. And that I don't think we get that in the moment because it's uh, may, maybe I don't get that because you're kind of caught up in the tension of the moment, but it's fascinating to me here that Frodo does have the foresight to be like, go- like this will be a, but be- this will be and is a betrayal of Gollum on some yeah. level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it it goes pretty similarly, except they, they don't beat him in the books. They tie him, which is unpleasant to him. Yeah. And, you know, he's still captured. But in the, it, it's so upsetting in the movies how they, like, just
0: beat the shit out of him. Yeah, it sucks. And, I mean, Frodo does say, like, easy, easy. He has no strength to match you. Don't hurt him if you can help it. He'll be quieter if you don't. Smeagol, they won't hurt you. I'll go with you and you shall come to no harm. Not unless they kill me too. Trust master. Gollum turned and spat at him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. So
1: they, they like interrogate um, Gollum. And this is when Frodo finally reveals that like Gollum has been their guy. Yeah. And that like, what What is the other option? Like, who else has been into Mordor and can, like, show them the way and be trusted? And Faramir says that the, like, the only way they can let Gollum live is if Gollum is, like, sworn in service to Frodo. And Frodo's like, yes, he is. Like, I can vouch for him. But the only way I can do that is, like, like I can't vouch for him if I don't know what you're going to do with mm. me. Like, you haven't told us yet if you'll aid us yes. or not. And Faramir responds... Then, I will declare my doom. As for you, Frodo, insofar as lies in me under higher authority, I declare you free in the realm of Gondor to the furthest of its ancient bounds. Um, Blah, 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 a bunch of stuff. Um, And he says to Gollum, you are under doom of death, but while you walk with Frodo, you are safe for our part. Um, it's, It's intense. Yeah. And also, so... Um they you know, he agrees to give them safe passage out of Gondor and talks about, like, you know, like, what is your next step? Where are you going? And they say, Cirith Ungol. Yeah. And Faramir is trying to warn them about Cirith Ungol and that it's not safe. And interestingly, refers to Gollum as a wicked creature. He says, Frodo, I think you do very unwisely in this, said Faramir. I do not think you should go with the creature. It is wicked. And Frodo says, no, not altogether wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Faramir gives them a little um, history lesson about Kirith Angol and how um, Minas... Oh, God, what did it used to be? Minas Ithil used to be, like, was eventually taken over by the darkness. And there's the last horse reference of the section. Um The nine riders issued forth from the gates of horror, and we could not withstand them.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And Frodo says, like, where else will you direct me? Like, would you have me come to Gondor with this thing, the thing that drove your brother mad with desire? What spell would it work in Minas Tirith? Shall there be two cities of Minas Morgul grinning at each other across a dead land filled with rottenness? I would not have it so, said Faramir. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and they say, you know, like, rest before, you know, while we prepare some food before you go. Um
1: Yeah. And there's also, after that quote that you just said, I would not have it so, Frodo says, again, then what would you have me do? And this is a, this is a sweet moment because, like, Faramir has just learned of Gandalf's death. And, like, he is someone... You know who was known, yeah, and he says, I know not, only I would not have you go to death or torment. And I do not think that this Randier would have chosen this way. And Frodo says, Yet since yeah. he is gone, I must take such paths as I can find. Um, and it that just another moment of like people we love and people we feel are more qualified to help us in this are gone. Um, but we, you know, we, we have to do the best. For ourselves that we can with what we
0: have yeah i also just this last sort of line of faramir's if ever beyond hope you return to the lands of the living and we retell our tales yeah. sitting by a wall in the sun laughing at old grief you shall tell me then until that time or some other time beyond the vision of the seeing stones of numenor farewell he rose and bowed low to frodo and drawing the curtain passed out into the cave
1: Love how this story like literally and metaphorically pulls a curtain between Frodo and everyone who cares for him and could help yeah.
0: him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and that's the end of chapter been... six. So okay, that's so the end of our done first thou. We talked about all of the horses.
1: <laughs> we did it. We we talked about them. Uh, what was your favorite horse from this? um... um the section, Joey.
0: I've got to say I think it was where it was talking about like the the Rohirrim becoming their allies.
1: Oh, and about how like the Gondorians think the Rohirrim yeah. are hot. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm going to count the Oliphant as an honorary horse instead of I was imagine
0: that Okay, that's fair. I imagine that like when Faramir was you know, like in his late teens, he saw Aemir who's, like, approximately the same age, you know, like, on the battlefield one day, you know, when they were kind of both at the edges of their region.
1: We have not, we have not really talked about the Eomir Faramir possibilities, but they're, they're there, there, right? They're
0: and it was like, they're oh my fair. god. And then Faramir, like, maybe had this thing of, like, oh, do I want to be him, or do I like, you know? Yeah. And the answer is both. Oh, oh my god. That's,
1: that's, like... There's an interesting, like, Faramir and Eowyn, like, having, you know, some excuse of a relationship because neither of them, like, like Faramir likes Eomer, but, like, can't, you know, can't really, like, wrap his head around that yet or, like, admit that to himself and Eomer, like, feels, not Eomer, sorry, Eowyn feels similarly about Arwen, and so they kind of have a like, a, a a a dating relationship, which is very half-hearted and morphs into this friendship. Yes. As, and they help each other, like, yes. understand their queerness. Yes. Love that. And then they end up being relatives because Amir and Faramir get fucking Rohan married. Yeah. Wow. Uh, song. So, yeah, let's rewrite a song. So, we have... We have two choices. We have Gollum's fish song, or we have Sam's Oliphant poem.
0: I'm inclined toward the fish song, but... Oh, interesting. the opposite? Yeah, but I can...
1: I, I'd hear your case, you know? Mm, I don't know. Wait, let me look at the
0: Oliphant one again.
1: It's... It's just describing the font. Yeah, grey as a mouse. Grey as a mouse, big as a house, snows like a snake, I make the earth shake. Yeah, let's do it. I I'm into it. Let's do it. Okay. Um Um I don't think we need the whole poem. It's not usually
0: our style. We no. are um Can I do you anthologist? Do you wanna read the whole poem so we kind of have the whole picture? Yeah and then we'll choose what we want to do of it. Him. Mm-hmm. Gray Mm -hmm. as a mouse, big as a house.
1: Nose like a snake, I make the earth shake. As I tramp through the grass, trees crack as I pass. With horns in my mouth, I walk in the south. Flapping big ears, beyond count of years. I stump round and round, never lie on the ground, not even to die. (laughs) Oliphant am I, biggest of all, huge, old, and tall. If you'd ever met... If you've if you'd ever met me, you wouldn't forget me. That if if ever okay.
0: you'd met me, you wouldn't forget me.
1: Oh, Okay, if ever you'd met me, you wouldn't forget me. If you never do, you won't think I'm true. But old Oliphant, am I, and I never lie. Okay.
0: What's our angle here? Uh, what if instead of an Oliphant, <laughs> it was a horse? Uh huh. Is this like and I mean the way like an olifant is talking about like just it's just like the platonic oliphant. Right. We're
1: yeah. talking about yeah. just
0: like the the platonic horse. I mean you could argue that the platonic horse is shadow facts. Is shadow but facts. It's just going to be I like think I think it could be more the essence of what a horse is. Right. Okay. Um do we wanna do like the basically like a section at the, like starting at the beginning and going to some point or starting partway through and going to th- I think beginning because that's more of the description of it.
1: Yeah, totally. The Honestly, the back I half think... of it is like what is the what is the soul of the Oliphant, or the soul of the horse? And like I don't I don't know that we can capture that, you know?
0: No. I also I've got to say I think Tolkien struggled in the second half of this.
1: I don't like Even despite my initial misreading, if ever you'd met me, you wouldn't forget me.
0: Yeah, rhyming me with me is, uh, you can do better, Tolkien. It feels like the
1: rhyme is, I mean, the rhyme there is partly like met and get,
0: forget, but I don't, I don't like it. Yeah.
1: I think we should avoid the issue of color because that's a very complicated question for a
0: horse. Yes, no. Um... Okay. Seal brown as a seal. (laughs) Uh, soft? How- okay, Mm. how- how big is a horse?
1: It's like horse-sized. Right. Um, I was gonna say a car, but that's not- Mm, Not really. (laughs) I mean, depending on the car. Um- Big as a shed? If,
0: if an, an olifant is as big as a house, is a horse as big as a shed?
1: Big as my heart. Oh big as um. my heart. Fast as my dreams. Okay, no, those have to rhyme. Whatever. I'm writing
0: poetry. <laughs> Rhyming poetry. <laughs> um Okay, um, what's something other than big? I mean what 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 are the defining features? Of a horse. What makes a horse a horse? Strong. Soft. Yeah. Fast. Fast. Scared. Scared. <laughs> okay. Strong, soft, fast, scared. <laughs> Legs.
1: Stronger, fast. What is it? Stronger, faster? Softer, scareder? The, what? um, it's the, uh, fucking, oh... We we rebuilt it. We made it stronger. But then it's the flow bot song
0: that people always do dances to. I have no idea what you're talking
1: about.
0: Just no clue.
1: Um flow Is it the I think this even? is just
0: a a part of pop culture I have not encountered.
1: Stronger. Oh god, harder, faster, stronger. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so—it's Daft Punk. Harder, better, faster, oh, stronger.
0: Okay. okay, I probably have heard it. You I sure just, have. I just—I not. I it, butchered so.
1: it so badly that it was unrecognizable. Okay, stronger, softer, faster, scarier, wrist. <laughs> yeah. Also, legs. <laughs> legs is an important... Horses got feet stat, you
0: know? Uh, okay, I have soft as a blank, strong as a blank. Legs like a blank or blah blank. I blank, 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 blank.
1: <laughs> wow, you've really cracked the code on this poetry thing, huh? <laughs> also, okay. legs... I feel like we have to be careful with the legs, like because it sounds like we're riding it sounds like that horse has legs for days, if you know what I'm saying. Like No. Um
0: No. You were like, so red. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> it's because
0: I'm laughing. Um Okay, hold on. Give well, me give okay, me so so he- here's the thing. It's in, in the original poem, it's nose like a snake, I make the earth shake as I tramp through the grass, trees crack as I pass. So we kind of have the, some of the rhymes kind of match in meaning. Some of the rhymes, like, match the rhyme above, but then the phrase actually carries on to the next one, right? right. So, but, but basically I want, like, legs like a, I, like something, I don't know. But then the next line will be, you know, I run... Like really billions. fast,
1: right? I would, you know, I would, I would really like it to that. be. I would really like it to be. I run really fast, and then we work backwards from there.
0: Okay, what rhymes with fast? Past legs from the past. <laughs> no, no,
1: no, no. Really legs legs blurring past. I run really fast. Okay. Okay, give me the
0: rest of your fucking
1: ad lib here.
0: Okay, soft as a blank, strong as a blank. Those two blanks have to rhyme.
1: Soft as...
0: What's a soft thing that can rhyme with a strong thing?
1: <laughs> soft
0: as... Soft
1: as the heart. Strong in large part. <laughs> Wait, okay, Um,
0: is there a strong thing- Wait, no, is there a soft thing that rhymes with ox? You-
1: you pick- ox? (laughs) Strong as an ox? No, I know, but like, mm, let's just pick the easiest fucking letter to rhyme in the English language- The X! (laughs) Um, I guess it could be the CKS, too. Yeah. Ox, rocks are soft, some- under certain circumstances- over the passage of time. Strong
0: as a rock-
1: Actually, Strong as a rock if, isn't bad. If we,
0: if we wanted to take the soft. S off and soft, soft as like a... like the awk. Strong like a rock. Soft as a flock Flo- of mm. very soft birds. Mock. <laughs> Mock. Talk. Come. Rhyming dictionary. I should have opened this a long time ago.
1: I feel like, I feel like starting from rock is not good.
0: Nora's is Ox. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, what's a soft thing?
1: What's a soft name? A single soft? Fleece? Velvet? Down?
0: Mm-hmm. Soft as... We need another syllable in there, and a down doesn't work. Soft as a fleece System could work. System
1: of... Uh... <laughs> down? Um, um. Soft as a kiss... Wow. Strong, like. I like also specifically saying soft, like a kiss, because of the Brago Aragorn kiss. Yeah. Um with
0: kiss. Not a lot. Piss?
1: <laughs> we can't, we can't, oh no!
0: Piss, miss, bliss, this, Swiss, sis, miss. abyss, mm. remiss, dismiss, reminisce. Kiss,
1: kiss this, Kiss. <laughs> Unstoppable. Do you know
0: that I, I had been listening to that song one time and then my mom, I think I've told you this, but my mom was like, this kid, this kid. And I was like, what? She's like, "I, I isn't that song about a kid? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. Um, I, listened I don't to think my... I was, like, I wasn't, like, actively listening to it at the time. I had been listening to it the other day, and then she, something brought to mind the phrase, this kid, and then she tried singing that song, this kid, this kid. And I was like, what song are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, you were just listening to it.
1: <laughs> um, I listened to a lot of my parents' music growing up, and you know the song One Toke Over the Line? hmm My, my... I, when I was, like, you know, like, a kid, I was like, Mom, what's a toke? And she was like, no, 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 they're saying one toe over the line. <laughs> so, so as to
0: avoid describing a toke to me. Uh-huh. Um. Uh, oh, wait. Okay, what if it's soft as a kiss, scared of the abyss? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Perfect. <laughs> Yeah. Legs blurring past. I run really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Running from the abyss.
1: That's all we're, that's all any of us are doing, you
0: know? Um, okay, and then we can have a, uh, strong as, uh, something, I something, 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 or something, something as I something. (laughs) Wow!
1: Strong like a stone. I
0: can move thrones.
1: I I come in in roan colors. <laughs> um, stone, bone,
0: hmm. telephone, <laughs> homophone, cone, crone, drone, flown, grown, other grown, known. Lone? Are we even worse at
1: this overtime?
0: Mm, thrown? Other, like, thrown, like, I. He's thrown the ball. Prone? Zone? The strong as a stone, I get in the zone.
1: I would really, really like to work in zone. Strong as a stone. I get this in the zone. This is the
0: horse zone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to the horse zone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, strong. What do we have? Read it back to me. Okay. Soft as a kiss, scared of the abyss. Like exploring past, I run really fast. Strong as a stone. Horse loving zone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can we? Is that, is that good?
0: Can we just end yeah. it there? <laughs> well, I think I no. We need two more lines. And I think Horse Loving Zone is what starts, even though it is paired rhyme-wise with the line above it, I think it should sort of lead into a final couplet that About kind Rohan? of wraps things up.
1: Ro- Rohan? Why did I-
0: Because I that say that Rohan. way half the time.
1: Ro- Actually, Rohan. that's
0: how Ottergorn says it. I've got to, I just want to point that out. He In the says, movies? Rohan. No. Yes, he says Rohan. He that does. Motherfucker
1: rolling that R. He that's unnecessary.
0: <laughs> Hold on, I- Ugh. Okay.
1: (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Horse zone. Get in the zone. Um, The horse zone. (laughs) Okay, so... uh, Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. In the horse zone. We all live. King of the plains?
0: Mmm... What? I... I'm... We're so far beyond the pale here. No, I'm... I'm close. I just... Man, there are not a not a lot of words that rhyme with live. Sive. Yeah, that's one of them. Also forgive give and forgive. Well, okay. So here's here's what I have now. Um, strong as a stone, horse loving zone is where we all live. Blank, 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 if.
1: Okay, what if that structure works? But what if that's not where we? What if it's not live? That's where we all. That's where we all roam. That's where we all run. That's where we all reign. That's
0: where we all... Where we love to be. That's too many syllables. That's Um, where we... Is where we... Come from? Flourish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is where we eat oats. Is where we call home yeah I guess um yeah I'm I'm losing perspective because this is we are writing sort of as the platonic horse right Mm -hmm. um horse loving zone is
1: it's here we call home row on on and on
0: um what are you thinking what rhymes with boys (laughs) poise oh
1: poise
0: um i think that's it <laughs> uh i'm thinking about ways to describe rohan la Croix's, where we all sip la we're,
1: getting, we're we're getting lost in the weeds here <clears throat> i know and i don't know why this is so
0: hard um okay what do we have so far Soft as a kiss, scared of the abyss. Legs flaring past, I run really fast. Strong as a stone, horse-loving zone. Blah, 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 blank. Blah, 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 blank. What?
1: Oh, okay, what if, what if, what if we, this is where we split it instead of the two rhyming couplets. We do, like, A, B, A, B. So we split, um, strong as a stone, where we call, like, where we all, where we call home is the horse-loving zone zone forever we roam or something we're we're like you split you split that rhyming couplet and sandwich another one in there
0: i structure wise not do that i mean is my hand gesture helping yes i mean i understood i don't need the hand gesture it's not harming but it's i didn't need it um we the only reason i was avoiding home is that i wanted a new rhyme instead of having something that sounded so close to stone and zone it's like a slant rhyme, and I don't think interspersing them makes that any better. So then let's not do home. Right, I mean, but I'm trying to, but I still don't want to break the pattern. Okay. I'm just, what would a horse say about the horse-loving zone? (laughs) 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 What would a horse
1: say about the horse-loving zone? This place is rad. They've got great oats here.
0: Wait, okay, what if we go back to live and it's just that's where we live. There's not to forgive. Like not as in N-A-U-G-H-T. As in it's great, we have no problems.
1: It sounds like the horses are passing judgment.
0: Yeah. They love the horse loving zone. They're saying we approve. It's great. We love we love to live in the horse loving zone. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I'm so. I want to. No. I mean, the thing about the horse
1: loving zone is it's the perfect zone for loving horses, and so there would not be any issues. Yeah. I think we're getting worse at this. (laughs) We
0: we started out so strong with kiss and abyss downs. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Like the rolling hills of Rohan. Soft as a kiss. Scared of the abyss. Legs blurring past. I run really fast. Strong as a stone horse-loving zone. That's where I live. There's naught to forgive. Wow. Um, we did it. Okay, great.
1: Uh, that's we did another it. vow. That's our
0: third vow. Our fourth vow, vow is complete. to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit, and we have a week off. We have a week off. Gondor doesn't yeah. fucking need anything this week. Yeah, I mean, I wish Aomor would call, because I want another look at him, but well, <laughs> sorry, I was thinking... I was thinking, that's not the call of Gondor, but I was thinking about Gondor, you know, aiding its allies. If you know what I'm saying. I guess it's the opposite. It's Aeomer aiding Farrow. Hey
1: fellas, is it gay to aid your allies? (laughs) Uh, So that brings us to the end of... Two Towers for now, we still have a few chapters of Two Towers book to finish up, which lines up very nicely with the beginning of the return of the King movie,
0: yes, so we're so that's where that's part we will
1: be for our next um for our next story episode,
0: yeah, and I don't think we've decided how many chapters or how much of the movie yet, so that information <laughs> will be in the episode description please below. we don't make
1: we don't make decisions
0: ahead of time, never. Uh, I guess, guess that's all. Signing off from the horse-loving zone! Thank you for listening.
1: The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by us, Caitlin and Joey. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com slash pod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Glick, at dancinuru on Twitter, I'm Caitlin. My pronouns are she, they, and you can follow me on Twitter at chalo and Behold. You can follow the show at Pod, and email your horse-related L-O-T-R questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Again, that is ShadowFacts, F-A-C-T-S. Joining me on this journey there and back again is Joey.
0: My pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time.
1: This has been Shadow Facts.
0: One horse to rule them all!